Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. And with me today, I have Alex Ross. Hello. Hello. How's it going, man? <laughs> not bad. Not bad. Now, Alex is joining us all the way over from the other side of the world. So it's evening for me and breakfast time for you. Uh, can you tell the audience uh, just a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, so I run a Porsche modification, you know, tuning shop in California. Um, I'm originally from London, England, so my accent is modelled. I apologise, <laughs> but uh, yeah, what we do is take you know an already you know fabulous 911, mostly GT3, and and soup it up some. You know, I give it more um, engine performance, more suspension performance, uh, more noise sometimes, a lot of times, and uh, yeah, you know, more power, more more fun basically, and just make them edgier. Yeah, yeah, I think I. Well, I first came across you, it was about the time I think I got my GT3. So it was 2013, something like that. And mm-hmm. an exhaust went on my car, one of your exhausts, um, early days. And it's yeah. it's been on the car ever since, <laughs> still there, yeah, eight years later. Hopefully not annoying everybody around you. <laughs> no, I think it, it's, weirdly, I think this is like a getting older maybe or yeah. being more aware of other people. It now appears louder to me than it did when I first yeah. fitted it. And you're no, like, that's I'm that's a, bit a more very very normal thing. I've I like uh, when we first started playing with these cars. Well, I so I started before I had a shop, but you know, in like 2001 with a 996 turbo, um, those were notoriously quiet. You know, they had the hair dryer mm. turbos on there, muffling everything. So I think I 
tried about 23 different exhausts on that car total in the in the lifespan and uh, they got progressively louder and louder and louder <laughs> and i think so my hearing's probably messed up but yeah you know it went from a complete muffler to like you know five inch straight pipes with flames out yeah. the back and uh yeah no, and, and since i've gotten older yeah that's been dialed back again I'm um, I'm part of a, a Facebook group, like a Porsche owners group. I don't really know why on Facebook. Yeah. And um, a, a classic question that comes up or someone will just bought a 911 Turbo and they'll say, how do I make my 911 Turbo yeah. sound good? What exhaust? And some, you know, so-and-so will be like, oh, buy a GT3. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, we, you can make them sound better. I mean, we, we have stuff for those as well. And you can make them sound you know less like a uh a hoover if you will or a dyson whatever they call them over here yeah vacuum cleaner i think that's what <laughs> they call them here um and uh yeah you can you can make them sound better but they're never going to be like a gt3 naturally it's, aspirated and revving like that no it's a completely different sound isn't it i think yeah often you get people trying to fit an exhaust and they go oh yeah but if you put the right exhaust on it it will sound like this it's like no it's just going to sound like a louder version of the that's, engine that's very true that's very true there's a lot of exhaust companies that um try to change the sound or the the tone and pitch and things like that but generally speaking you're just you're you're basically cranking up the volume of what the car gives you you yeah and so if it's a you know nothing against subarus but they're you know the four banger turbos are not known for sounding fantastic (laughs) they're they sound like a little bit like somebody's lawnmower or flymo or yeah. whatever, whatever they're called, or Concord. What, what are those? I can't remember the the brands you have over there anymore. I haven't been there in a while. So, but oh, yeah, I you see, just I turn the volume see, yeah. up on that, and it's like, <laughs> oh, somebody's cutting the grass. No, they're flying by, <laughs> flying by, <laughs> Colin McRae style. So let's let's sort of wind back a little bit. How did you get into all this? Where does it all begin? Um, really, by absolute chance. I mean, I suppose. Um, as a kid growing up in London, um, I went to some fancy schools like Hill House, Westminster School, and then the LSE. But, you know, um, I'd actually take the tube to work. I mean, we didn't have a car. My mom, mm. she's a single mom. But, you know, I'd walk past, you know, Sloan Square, Sloan Street, and I'd see all these, you know, 928s, 911s, you know, all those kinds of cars. Lamborghini Countach, yeah. which didn't do anything for me um, in the 80s. And, um, you know, I... I look back at my toys my little matchbox and dinky toys and stuff and i had a lot of porsches and i always liked them moving to the u.s um to start a i was a journalist a technical uh like a technical um pc hardware and gaming journalist if you will okay and um i started a website um that was like a magazine online at the time in the you know, like 97, and then I sold it in 2001. But I moved to the U.S. to do it because it was just the thing to do um, back mm. then. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, um, yeah, I think I, I think that, uh, you know, starting a business that way and, and you know, getting in early doors as, as far as the internet, you know, just gave me, you know, some freedom because once I sold it, the first thing I went and did was, you know, get a 996 Turbo. <laughs> and um, I... Pretty much um, through the course of, you know, doing this um, website that I was doing with, you know, reviewing PC parts, you know, video cards and graphic, you know, graphics cards, CPUs, I would, I was known for making them run faster than they should. 
you know, and okay. I'd post about it and tell people how to do that, get more performance so they could get better frame rate in Doom or Quake or whatever. Yeah, and, running uh, on or, floppy disks yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, then. exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, CD-ROMs then, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, but actually I was playing a lot of Need for Speed Porsche with a, with a friend in the lab, so I'd be doing that. And uh, yeah, so I sold that, retired for about three years, you know, as a dot-commer, as they call it. <laughs> and in that three-year period, um, I'd started to, in my garage floor, you know, soup up a 996 Turbo because as soon as I got it, you know, I, you know, I got on it and I felt, you know, twin turbos kicking in on a freeway on ramp. And I was like, yeah, 415 horsepower and foot pounds of torque. That's pretty good. Um, I wonder, I wonder if you can overclock this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, it was pretty early days, but there were ways to do it, you know, um, you know, basically forcing more boost. And, yeah. you know, I started, um, and the way to test it in the U.S. is drag racing, you know, which is right. really ridiculous. Like, if you have a Porsche of any kind, please don't take it to a drag strip. It's not <laughs> the right place. But that's what I did. Um, and, uh, you know, I started measuring that performance. And then I'd post about it and I'd say, you know, look, my stock 996 Turbo does 12.2 or so. And I think it did 12.4. And then I got it to 11.8 in the quarter mile, you know, and the mile per hour jumped. Yeah. And then, you know, when you're driving around, it's kind of nice to have, you know, 100 horsepower extra with just software and bolt-ons and things like that. You know, it was relatively yeah. easy. Um, where it got complicated is when I started to push it further and further. Like, I had the first 996 Turbo. don't know if it was in the world, but it was definitely in the U.S. that was in the 10s, which was a big deal okay. back in, well, it wasn't a big deal. It was a big deal to three people, probably. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's a big deal to get, you know, a 10-second quarter mile in, like, 2003 or whatever or four yeah. um, in that car. And um, I kept pushing it. More and more stuff what sort came of horsepower out. Yeah, it was a horsepower. Oh, that at that point, it was, um, at that point, it was 650 in okay. 2004. And then I decided, yeah, it was quite a lot for, uh, there wasn't, there wasn't much out there that could, uh, run with it. Um, and, uh, you know, after that, it just, you know, I think my wife was getting pretty tired of people coming over and friends and, and, you know, car friends sort of in a, you know, two and a half car garage, you know, like messing around with cars and taking bits off and oil everywhere and whatever. And, um, you know, she's, she started planting the seed about, you know, you used to have this hobby with computers and you had tons of them and you would, you know, you turn that into a business, you know. It's like being an alcoholic but running a bar, I guess. If you're an <laughs> yeah, alcoholic, yeah. it's probably better if you operate a bar because you might just survive it. So, yeah, I was just yeah. pouring tons of money into, you know, Project Car <laughs> and um, and trying to get into the nines. That was the next phase. Um, I didn't quite get there. I, I kind of... Uh, yeah. Once you once you start, you know, chasing little tenths and going yeah. from six hundred to seven hundred or seven hundred to eight hundred, yeah, it's the money goes way up and the problems go with it. Um, but along the course of that build, I bumped into a Canadian fellow, um, James Hendry, who um, was working at a Porsche shop, working mostly on air cooled and 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 some nine two eights. They'd heard of me, you know, because I was a local local person you know with this car and doing stuff and they're like you know come on down or come on up as it was um we have a shop and um 
you know, let's let's try and work on some stuff here, you know. And and I I would stay after James was finished, you know, after hours and he was really interested in the car and he had some ideas of what to do. And I noticed that he was a much, much better or braver mechanic as well than I was. <laughs> he, he, I was like, wow, I can do this? He's like, yeah, yeah, you can do it this way, this way, this way. And, um, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence to play with it even more. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. We entered the car um, into a couple of, you know, like magazine big horsepower shootouts or whatever. Yeah. And we won We won some of the important events. And um, some. we built some cars for some friends and um finally it was like you know do you want to work on 928s or you know the older cars because those or do you want to work on these ones and he's like no i think we should work on these ones so we started a shop and um in uh 05 in the summer of 05 and primarily at that time we were just doing 996 you know turbos and the na cars as well um you know on those cars we were you know, setting them up for going to the track. And it was around that time, sorry, after I did all the drag racing stuff, I started deciding, you know, these cars do really feel great when they turn, you know, go around turns. So we have a bunch <laughs> of racetracks here. So why don't I just do that? It lasts longer than nine or 10 seconds as well. So, yeah. and, and the stuff still breaks, but you know, it's just, not, it's a lot more not fun. Not quite as quickly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not, not knocking drag racing or anything, but yeah, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more involving and you know you get your thrills i think differently that way so yeah a bunch of people in california obviously where they're surrounded by like where we are in the bay area there's uh, four racetracks that are you know relatively um close by you know laguna seca is one that everybody knows or has at least played in a video game so yeah you know people started coming with those same cars going, well, I know I like what you've done with yours. You know, you've let me drive yours. Can you do the same? And so, yeah, it was, it wasn't a, it wasn't a uh, pre-planned event. I kind of fell into it and it was a passion thing. I was, you know, bored of PCs and video games and decided, you know, well, I grew up in London, but in California, we have some excellent roads as well. (laughs) So I'll start setting up cars for, you know, going through the, you know, mountains, coastal roads and, um, you know, the racetrack as well. So hmm. that's how that, that's how that started. And, you know, like I said, with James and uh, I have a friend, uh, that used to also do what I did with websites, but he was heavily into modifying cars since he was uh, younger than I was. Um, and, uh, I asked him to sort of join on, uh, like two or three years later and, um, you know, it's like a small family run business at that point. And, uh, we all pretty much think alike in terms of, you know, setting up a car for just, you know, more edge and fun for going, you know, on weekends and, or on the track. Yeah. That's how, that's how it started. And we branched away as Porsche started introducing, you know, new lines, um, the 996 GT3, when it first came out, for example, I didn't quite get the car. I was stuck in the turbo world you know, where power was everything. I mean, yeah. taking a 996 turbo from 415 to 800 horsepower was like, <laughs> you know, the big deal. <laughs> you know, these these GT3s, uh, they don't have any torque. But then once you started going on track and, you know, really, really driving, you realize, yeah, you know, a naturally aspirated high revving engine, you know, and a special one such as the GT3, which was, that's the thing that really hooked us. That's, that engine 
there'll never be something like that again where it really was used on the racetrack every weekend and the race department basically pushed it over to the streetcar guys and said here you guys you know yeah. have this engine make a car you know make it a little bit um you know less noisy and and less pollutant and uh you know have your way with it but nowadays they won't do that so yeah that car that car really got under our skins and we figured why not why not you know take something that's already perfect and um <laughs> and try and not ruin it and make it better <laughs> you'd have to be a moron to modify a gt3 but that's where we come in so yeah 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 was it called Sharkworks from the beginning it it was um that that came about as a as a uh, school football player or whatever, um, there were too many Alexes on the pitch, and um, yeah. going going on, <laughs> you know, going on buses. You know, when you're supposed to be doing your homework, I was reading about you know sharks all the time. So just Sharky came up, you know. So you know, Sharky's ball instead of Alex, and everyone looks around. Yeah, um, and uh, <laughs> I started my yeah, I started my website and um, you know um, magazine that was called Sharky Extreme. That name had always been good, so. I, I don't know when we, when I discussed it with James at the time, it was either you know boring auto works or something really off the wall like that. And, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, no, I like sharks too." That's kind of how he is. So he's, yeah, yeah. He's like, "Yeah, let's just do it that way." And I was like, "Yeah, it's been good to me." And uh, the second day that we were in, in business, if, if you will, we suddenly started getting a lot of calls from nine two eight guys because mm. there's not a lot of places that work on 928s and that's known as the shark i think there's you know the bmw and then there's the 928 yeah. and they're known as the shark and we're like no sorry we don't we don't <laughs> just 996 turbos at the time so yeah yeah and it's, it's sort of stuck with it since i guess 996 gt3 came out you started working on them what were you doing to those as like to start with yeah, well, that was the car that really pushed a hardcore track element, like locally at least. Um, prior to that, there were a bunch of people with C2 996s or 996 turbos that would go, you know, once once yeah. a month maybe or something. But, you know, we were having to spend about, you know, people were having to spend about 10K in suspension mods to get it to handle well. Like a 996 turbo handles fine on the street. But, you know, take it to a track, it understeers, it floats, it wallows, you know, it needs a lot of work. So, yeah, the, when the GT3 came out, I mean, it was like a good alignment, good tires, and you were off off to go, you know. But, yeah, we we were like, well, we can eke out a bit more power. We can put a lightweight flywheel in, and that's what the RS had, you know, later yeah. on, which we didn't get here. And that was, that was another thing that was interesting, because at the time we were, you know, very much based you know, in California and working on California cars, but, or US cars as well. You know, the GT3 here in the US is different than what's marketed in the rest of the world. You know, it doesn't have lightweight buckets. It doesn't have a lightweight flywheel option. It doesn't have, um, you know, Lexan glass. It doesn't have harnesses. It doesn't have, you know, a bunch of stuff is missing. You know, it's like, so weird. what do we, yeah, it's just like, why do, well, it's because of the DOT and yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of stuff, right? Um, and it got worse and worse as, you know, the 997s and stuff after that. So a lot of people at first wanted a bunch of the European parts, which, you know, we would get and retrofit. And um, and then at the same time, it's like, well, you know, everything we used to do on the 996 turbos, you know, making it lighter, making it, you know, tighter, all those things help on a GT3 because it's, 
you know, similar. You know, people would be chasing tents or whatever, but you can still, it's a funny slider that you, you know, you can set it up to be too good on the track, but then terrible on the street. And then, yeah. you know, it was fun figuring out what different people wanted and how they wanted it. And, you know, rather than ever experiment on anyone else's car, you know, that's, you know, we agreed early on that we would only make products and um, sell products and install products that like we actually developed on our car and tried and tested. And so we'd have all these cars, you know, as our own first to, you know, yay or nay them or break the car or figure out a way to fix it or make it better. Yeah. That, 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 that GT3, that 996 GT3 didn't really excite me at first, but once you got to drive it and sat in it for a while, you started to realize, wow, this is definitely a more fun way to do things, you know, as far as driving interaction and experience and, you know, you don't really need 800, 800 horsepower on the track. Yeah. It actually, most I've, times it makes you slower. <laughs> I've, um, I've definitely sort of, I've managed to dodge that journey somehow. Like a lot mm-hmm. of my friends went into, started turbo to go world. into like turbo world. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's, whether it's a Nissan GTR or whatever, oh, yeah. it's, it's all the similar yeah. sort of thing. And they start yeah. with the normal amount of horsepower. Then they want another hundred and then another yeah. hundred and then 100. another 500 and then another thousand. So like literally yeah. just keeps going and going and going and going. And yeah. you just get, you get lost. I, I'm, you just get lost. And you just, yeah. as you said, when you start chasing those sorts of things, which are not applicable to the road really at all, no. everything just no. gets more expensive. Everything, mm-hmm. every single everything bit breaks of the car. As well. Everything breaks. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of uh, what they call sandbagging, um, you know, people talking, saying, oh, yeah, no, I drive it every day. You know, it's got 1500 horsepower. I go, yeah, I, I, I drove it here to the track. What's that trailer there? Oh, yeah, you know, I just don't like it to get dirty. You know, but really, well, you, do you want to start it up? Yeah, hold on a second. I need, you know, three guys to do that. And then I need yeah, to push it some, off the trailer. And then, I need some alcohol you go, go, to like. Yeah, I need some alcohol to pour in there. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Okay. So you drive this every day, do you? Yeah, I get coffee now. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, those kinds of cars are not that interesting <laughs> as far as in the Porsche world. But there are some. I mean, I have some friends that do, you know, they stuck with that. Um, they went from drag racing to doing mile events. And a lot of the friends I've made that helped me with, you know, tuning on other things, you know, they're they're doing, you know, 15, 1600 horsepower, 997 and 991 turbos that are, you know, running 200 and whatever in the mile. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think uh, I've, there was a, a good friend of mine, uh, Todd from from Evolution Motorsports, and, and that's somebody we partnered with early on, and he does a lot, you know, he does the tuning side. Um, but he, he had his own car. It was a, a 996 turbo. This is, I think, 2006 or seven, and it it was at around a thousand or eleven hundred horsepower, completely undrivable on the street. Um, but uh, he entered it into one of those mile events, and he literally spun the car at the finish line, like doing you know two thirty or something. And Oof. and the reason he spun it is because you know, like a nine nine six turbo has a sunroof. Well, it caved in. Oh, <laughs> it caved in, and it just went like this. I was like, yeah, that's not for me. That's not for me. I see those things and I find them incredibly impressive. And I think the engineering is impressive. And if someone can build a car that can repeatedly do it, that is incredible. But personally, I don't have much desire 
to go just faster, 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 faster. Because no, I mean, I think like uh, as you know, you were talking about when when you were younger, everything was louder and it sounded cooler, and now mm. it's like you grown up. Yeah, same with those modifications. I feel like having something that's really smooth, really you know, a wide a wide power band um, and thrilling, rewarding. You know, yeah, it's got good sounds, it's got a good feel and compliancy that's another thing you know that you know you want to talk about exhausts like in 2004 you know i set up my 996 turbo with like 1300 pound springs you know it was like cup car level and yeah. it rode terribly on the road like awful but i thought it was the best thing ever but it was like yeah. nobody like, race, car, ride race it. car yeah race car it's so good and these roads are so terrible what a great combo you know yes um and now it's like you know you gotta go back and you go wait a minute you know, you want it to be compliant so that, you know, the car's not doing this all the time and you're know, correcting and, you know, and you sort of look at what Porsche did, for example, with, um, you know, when they introduced the, you know, the, the uh, Porsche active suspension system, the PASM. Yeah. When they did it on the Gen 1 GT3 and then they went to the, or Gen 1 997 GT3 and then they went to the Gen 2, you know, people were wondering, well, why is it a little bit quicker around the ring? And it's like, oh, you drive the two cars and you realize, Oh, and the Gen 1, you know, it was like going like this mm. around the ring. The driver would be doing this. And then the Gen 2, you know, it's like much smoother. And you're like, ah, okay. So there are different ways to go faster other than power. I'd left my uh, Kindle downstairs last night. Yeah. And I was looking on my bed to see if I had anything else to read. And <laughs> the stuff my wife always gives me abuse for the things that are next to my bed. It was like a ride and handling suspension setup book. Oh, I yeah. Just, I was yeah. like, oh, I'll just tuck into this for... Uh, before bed some light reading and um it was just talking about setting up suspension and and how you sort of go about it and um, compression and rebound and all the good stuff right exactly (laughs) high speed low speed all that sort of stuff but in terms of doing spring rates and things like that it was like well on a race car you want the car to be ideally as low as possible for Mm -hmm. aero or whatever but then you the springs need to be stiff enough or soft enough that you don't bottom out or ping yeah. out the top. And yep. then everything needs to be set up so that the wheels stay in contact with the ground for as long as possible. So there essentially the ride is as comfortable as it can be without smashing into the ground and yeah. as low as and, possible. Yep. And and that's and then you take that further. Um, that's where it gets interesting because, well, for some people that like to read those kind of books. But, um, <laughs> you know, on a on a Porsche that's already set up pretty stiff, you know, when you try to change the shocks to, you know, a, a different setup, either from Bilstein, let's say, or Olin's. Yeah. Like, those are the two popular ones we use. You know, they're, they're very different philosophies. Like Bilstein, for example, on their club sport, has a really, really low spring rate. Um, and it And it has a shock that, you know, takes over the work, whereas Olin's has a stiffer spring rate and the shock does a bit less of the work. So, you know, it's different right. approaches, you know, and for the track, the, the Olin's is probably, you know, it's going to feel a little um, stiffer and tighter and some people prefer that, whereas others, you know, want there to be a little bit of movement if they're you know, yeah. not exactly rallying, but no track is completely flat. So, yeah, yeah, it's very, gets it yeah, gets, uh, gets a lot of trial and error, except when the shocks are like eight grand a eight grand a set you know you're like well i better experiment on my own car first and figure this out i don't want want someone else figuring it out have you come across or used uh the dsc sport systems yeah they're the they're the ones that plug into the pasm controllers right Um, yeah it's it's uh how do i put it 
Um, it's not something I'm super keen on. The, the style of driving we do now mostly and set up for cars is, you know, in California, I'm sure you've seen all the, you know, videos and pictures, but we have a lot of canyons and yeah. you know, mountain roads and, you know, coastal roads and they're a little bit bumpy. So it's, um, having something that's software driven, I find, um, it's the slider is always moved to, to, well, it's limited by on the gen one, you know, the, I think the refresh rate or whatever you want to call it is yeah, pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Gen twos are better. And I think maybe on the nine, nine ones, it might be better, but I, I don't like the PASM that much, even on GT threes, mm. um, until you get to the nine, nine one, I guess. But on the 997.1, a lot of the cars that are, you know, driven extensively will change to, you know, like a non-electronic suspension. We'll yeah, change it to a manually adjustable setup. one. And yeah, is that a bit annoying if you if you have to go, you know, under the car or behind the seats and, you know, play with some knobs here and there. But I, I just prefer it that way. I like to have it consistent and know what it's going to do and not be not be too variable let's put it that way i mean there's enough range if the shock is really good there's enough range um and i'm just very much a uh, a manual feel feel kind of person which is strange considering i used to you know to <laughs> change voltages and 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 add extra fans and stuff on computers and stuff but yeah i played with it some um but yeah i'm on the 997 and 996s in particular, I, I like, well, 906s don't have um, PASM, but on the 997s, I, I do like to change to like either a Bilstein Club Sport or, or um, you know, a PSS 10 for non-GT cars or yeah. sometimes Olins, you know, and just have, you know, compression and rebound yourself. With those three different types, how would you describe the differences? And okay, I, I know there's some of them are probably more expensive than others, but how would you sort of scale them? Yeah, well, I think um, for a nine, like for a nine nine seven GT three, if it's a Gen one or point one, you know, with a three six in it, those cars, if you drive, if you drive them mostly on the street, which most of us do, they they tend to be a bit unhinged and unbalanced. You know, they're very reactionary. So I think those cars benefit more from like a a Bilstein Club Sport or an Olin setup, and and as long as you set up the spring rate pretty soft, um, you know, not like you know 900 or a thousand pounds um you know what would be a sort of, of standard rate of the like an oem rate on it's just um well it the problem is is there isn't a standard it's more you know what are you doing with the car and you know the shock works differently company to company so just because one is you know 500 in the front it's not the same on the other okay. one so they're, yeah they're not it, like it's for like no and, and even for springs, like on a Bilstein, it's funny, there are barely any, the, the spring rate itself works out to be barely any stiffer than stock, but the shock is doing a lot more work, so. Okay. Um, but yeah, on a, on a Olin's, I think it's like, um, if I remember right, I think it's like 650, 850 or something, 650 front, 850 rear. So they're a bit stiffer in terms of the rates, but on a Gen 2, um, I think they actually did a really good job uh, making it more compliant with the PASM. So 997.2s or the 3.8s and 4.0. Those cars, we do change them sometimes, but not as often in terms of the shocks. Yeah, Most people are happy if we address some of the pivot points that are, you know, a little. they have a little bit of give in them. So if you do like the rear links in the back, 
or dog bones as they're called. They look like dog bones and a bump steer correction kit in the back. It just cuts out some of that movement when the car sets into a turn. Um, okay. There's like there's a part that they later on developed in the four O that's you know sort of fixes it. It's a toe link in the back, but every nine nine six nine nine seven and Cayman of that era, you know, has a, an eccentric bolt in the back on this lower control arm. So when when the car sets into a turn, the toe angle can change. So that okay. makes it it just takes away a bit of confidence. So we have a kit that we put in you know, with more solid ends either side and then a lockout plate that sets the toe angle and then it won't change mid-turn. Okay. So like, you know, every 4.0 that we've done, um, every, you know, 9.11, you know, we usually throw those, like, those parts are not that expensive and they just give it more poise or more, just make it settled, you know. when it's, So they make it turn. harsher at all or... So yeah, you have to play, yeah, you have to... That, that's that's a good point. Um, those particular ones don't, but there are other ones that we can add that will. And so, for someone that's going to the track, you know, it's it's a, it's not like it's not an easy thing. Like I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, if you're like a fast food restaurant and you know, what do you want when you punch it in? It's not quite yeah. like that. But we have to ask them what they want, what they're doing with the car, and then I have to sort of imagine. Okay, well, this is the best I could do is imagine. Well, this is what I'm going to be doing, and then I can show them on my car or cars and. And then go from there. So, yeah, it's you know, it's it's a weird formula. You know, after sixteen years, I think we've we're still learning, but you know, we figured out <laughs> figured out at least the nine nine sevens. We figured them out. Yeah, nine sixes. So, yeah, I think it's quite interesting going onto your website. If you look at like nine nine seven GT three RS that sort of thing, um, you have a whole bunch of fixes for things that sort of have gone yeah. wrong for Porsche. Um, yeah. And okay, let's take that car. So my car, 997 Gen 2 RS. Yep, um, the best. If I came to you... That's the best. That's um, just the best right there. It is, it is pretty great. I, I'm i trying to think what what's different on my car to stock. Not much, really. Uh, I have a Sharkworth bypass on it. There we go. Not sponsored. Um, yes. <laughs> I have a valve... I have a valve switch from a company called Carnewal that yeah, lets me have sure. the valves open all the time. Yeah, that's shut. good. Yep, that's, be- um, that's actually better than the factory way, which it sort of opens and closes based on vacuum. I, I can't stand that system of having... Because I realized it made me drive like an absolute dick. Because like, <laughs> yes. yeah. you want to hear the noise, but to yeah. hear the noise, you have to be going over 4,000 RPM or something. Yeah. And to get to yeah. 4,000 RPM, you have to put your foot down if you want to do it in any situation. Yep. And and then you lose all of the burbles and everything on the way yes. back down. Yeah, the overall. Which is probably yeah. the best part of it. Um I think my rear anti roll bar is set stiffer than normal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um that was done before I got the car and I've just I like I like the way it drives. Um and then I actually have a DSC sport system mm-hmm. which I've just plugged in, I haven't really messed with. Um and I think that does improve compliancy around town a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of interested in the the full other end of the spectrum. They do a, a set of shocks and dampers yeah. as well. And yeah. I would love to drive a car that's been set up with all that tech yeah. to see what that's like as like a daily versus track. Because I think, I think you get quite a broad spectrum of the difference of the yeah. cars. Um, yeah. One thing I know you've definitely had a fix for is I've had the coolant pipes go on my car. <laughs> yep. And... I weirdly and 
the they were wearing out or whatever and they were changed under warranty by Porsche. Yeah. And then the day I picked the car up, I was driving it after they'd been changed and they exploded off, yeah. which was luckily I was going in a straight line, um, but that worked out. Yeah. But I know that that's something that you guys have come up with yeah. a solution for. It, it's it? we were it's it's funny that well isn't funny for people that have um, done it at the track and had it go on the back tire and they've yeah. spun and were you know ended up off the track um isn't funny for them but yeah that that's something that we found by chance before the gt3s actually we because you know the the problem is really terrible on 996 turbos and gt2s and 997 okay. turbos and it's something that's like a not a great design or implementation um you know glue and heat cycles and different metallurgy don't combine to last very long (laughs) i mean you know some cars like 997 gt3s you know would do it the first year of ownership but you know the turbos it took a little longer but yeah we figured it out when we were building 996 turbo engines i think in 05 um, I remember James, you know, we had a smaller shop then and I think I was talking to a customer about probably some 700 horsepower turbo or something. <laughs> he came in with like, you know, he was building a 3.8 liter 996 turbo engine. So, you know, it's all the same block and similar design. Internals are very different, but he came in and, you know, he's like, hey, look at this. And I was like, what? And he's like, you know, got, got you know, parts he's taken off below the intake manifold and, you know, he's like, bunch of you know lines and he's like look watch this i was like okay he's like hold on there and he goes i was like what the hell it's like yeah um this could be a problem (laughs) looks like it was gonna come out and um i was like oh okay he's like well you know let's uh let's um think about this you know while we're building this engine and then about two weeks later um a customer with a highly modified 96 turbo came in on a on a flatbed or a truck trailer, whatever, and um, coolant spewing everywhere. And James is like, hmm, okay, let's have a look. And he's like, oh, look, it's one of those lines. You know, it's at the back. I don't have to take the engine out to fix it. So, you know, he fixes it, you know, to get them back on the road. And then like a, a week later, another one comes out. And James is like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here. There's seven locations and it's, you know, going to go to the next one. So, so yeah, so we figured it out. And on every single, you know, high horsepower 996 turbo engine that we built, we're like, well, we're taking it out. We're going to fix that. You know, we're going to, you know, come up with a way to, you know, basically pin it. So I don't care if it's a hundred degrees or 45 degrees outside, but you know, and you can have a gorilla hanging from it. It won't come out, you know, you, yeah. just, you can't have that happen. And then it started happening on especially 997 GT3s later on. And we already knew how to fix that. And so we just sort of wrote this article up and I think it was on, I think Dan, Dan, who works for us, um, posted it on there. One of the, uh, Porsche forums, I think it was Renlist and on our site and of course we got a bunch of hate for it immediately because like oh this never happens and you know you know every porsche dealer was like no this never happens this never happens and it and it did finally sort of come out there that it happened and then there's a big debate whether to weld it or pin it and i'm like you know well you can try welding different metallurgy if all you want but if you ask a real welder welding in that area is 
really pointless. And yeah, I mean, I guess you can show your welding skills, but it has to be done really well. I've seen a bunch that are welded and poorly, and it's leaking and failed anyway. So, okay. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, there, there's that's a gotcha, and it's unfortunate. I you know James James is a bit more unkind about it. He's probably like, oh, maybe that was like a, a summer student's idea at Porsche, <laughs> an intern or something. <laughs> I was like, well, we all make mistakes. So, yeah, that was a, that's, a, that's an annoying one, definitely. That's I really one. wish I'd done it yeah. when I, I like, fitted a new clutch. Yeah. Um, rather than I, what happened is I literally fitted a new clutch, which now you fit the four-litre clutch, and then uh, the car went in for some warranty work separate to that went back to Porsche, they, under warranty, changed the coolant pipes, but they literally just changed them to exactly the same. And I think they did a rubbish job. Now, maybe they didn't, but it literally came off within half an hour of them changing them. Yeah, they probably, I mean, if you don't know and you don't really, really think about it and what the consequences are, I mean, you could just be like, okay, well, I'll just glue it back in. But you have to really clean it. Um, Sometimes you have to get new parts, you know, um, and actually when we do a coolant fix, you know, we'll get all new hoses and lines. Um, yeah, and that coolant probably. fix gets better because just when you think you fixed it, you haven't. <laughs> so, <laughs> because uh, at the end of that story is, you know, for like three years, you know, we were like, Hey, we don't have any problems. We fixed this, we fix this. And then, um, very, you know, later on, like three years when we were doing, um, the 3.9 engine, which is another thing where we pushed things further and further and we broke more and more stuff and then later on you know there were some failures on the 3.8 and 4.0 and service bulletins and we're like oh we've seen that we've seen that we've done that we've done that we fixed that (laughs) um but yeah there's another gotcha which is um there's these two on a gt3 and on a turbo there's three there's these two plastic um elbows that come into the block um from the oil coolers and uh you know we didn't know this but there was coolant leaking from a car that we'd done a coolant fix on a GT3 3.9. And we're yeah. like, what the hell's going on? You know, it's like, okay, I guess the engine out and we look at it. It's like, it's not leaking from anywhere there, but there's coolant coming out, you know, when you're really getting on it hard at the track, as this guy was doing, you know, he's like, he's having to put, you know, a two liter bottle of coolant in after yeah. every, you know, session, basically. <laughs> it's like, that can't be right. And, um, so finally we took everything off on this. We took this engine out, took it apart. We were like inspecting, you know, head gases. And then, you know, one of the last two pieces you take off of the block are these two little plastic elbows. And then James comes in again. He's like, hey, look at this. I'm like, look at what? You know, it's this black coolant pipe. And then he, he sticks a, um, a little eraser, uh, eraser, a little uh, razor blade, Yeah. you know, and it goes right in the slot of a crack. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> when you push these cars like you do, because that's what they're for, um, you know, many years later and sometimes not so many years later, problems arise. And that's been kind of fun, actually. You know, like we really, you know, we really, really love the 997 GT3 and 996 GT3. Like that's our, we've owned multiple ones of them, you know, um, and built 3.9 liters and 4.1s, you know, all around the world for people. But part of that process was doing, you know, 10 11 major fixes you know like when yeah. we when we did the 39 you know we we broke a bunch of stuff and then when we did the 41 i mean it wasn't like hey let's just build a 41 and oh that's cool no it was like you know seven eight attempts and we 
broke a bunch of stuff doing it over the course <laughs> of two years. And then, you know, once we sort of fixed that, then we could, we could also go back, you know, now, you know, 10, 12 years later when people are just getting them or getting into them or they've got miles on them. And, you know, we don't have to build a three nine, but we can take all the fixes that we've done and do beyond yeah. just a coolant fix. You know, we can fix, you know, um, the cam adjusters, the bolts backing out, you know, we know about the freeze plugs coming out of the bottom, um, you know, better clutches and flywheels. And, you know, we know more about this kind of stuff now because we've, you know, we've James, James has built, um, you know, many of these engines now and, uh, you know, we've, we've run them pretty hard. I mean, there's, there's people that, you know, have tracked multiple years, you know, trying to use their 997 GT3 as a sort of cup car, you know, yeah. alternative. And, you know, so they've campaigned them and, you know, and it's, they've all held together and well, and, you know, we've, we've figured out ways to improve things when running them harder. So, you know, that applies back to someone that doesn't necessarily want to modify their car beyond, you know, you know, having a Sharkworks bypass or something. Yeah. But, but usually, you know, usually it's a slippery slope for a bunch of people. <laughs> they want to do a bunch of things. Absolutely. And it's something that I think about now. Now, Porsche, they do run their warranty program and you can still have a warranty. So I, I've got a warranty on my car for the next three years and I think it costs me it works out at about a thousand pounds a year so it's it's not expensive no that's, to, a, that's a really good do. deal um but i do look at and i know no offense porsche but when they look at the car they're not looking at absolutely everything and they're not they're just technicians that are just changing bits and, and whatever and i go well, okay well how long am i going to have this car for and what are the small changes i probably need to do or bits I need to change over time to mean it keeps running really well and I don't have, for example, some coolant pipes exploding and dumping coolant under the rear wheels in a situation that could write off your car. And, yeah, write, write off your car, but you also might get, get injured yeah, in the might, process. Yeah, or hit someone on a track or whatever. Yeah, that's Exactly. How do you go about sort of researching that? Do you start with things that are done to race cars as like a... a a starting point Porsche might have done or, and how, how does that work? Yeah, a little bit like that. I mean, there's, um, sometimes we'll do it that way. And the way you just listed it where, Oh, well, what would Porsche do? Or not that we're, you know, or we sort of imagine what they do. And, and for one of the newer lines, the cars, we did exactly that, which is when the GT four came out, there was no RS and we're like, well, we know that we know what to do. <laughs> um, every RS, differentiates from a non-RS with a lightweight flywheel, easy, yeah. done. A little bit more power, easy, done. Better gearing, easy, done. A little bit more aero, boom. And then, you know, we never said it was an RS, but when we built our GT4 program, I think we've done about, I don't know, 20-odd of those plus some spiders. Um, you know, journalists were like, oh, yeah, this is kind of like, you know, a GT4 RS if there was yeah. one. Um and notice they didn't make that mistake again <laughs> for the 718. <laughs> they have an RS coming, so for those. Um, but yeah, um, that is very much, you know, um, a formula that, that Porsche, we imagine, well, this is what Porsche would do if they wanted to. Um, and then you go back to the GT3, which is, it's not as if Porsche couldn't do a 3.9 or a 4.1. They could do it a million times better than we could yeah they probably don't want to spend 
$8,000 on a crank for yep. a car they make thousands of. <laughs> Whereas, you know, we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> How much are the pistons? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. Another eight grand? Sure. You know, um, so when we're doing cars for, you know, in in smaller way smaller batches we can really focus in and spend more money on certain things to get you know eke out more performance and from a you know manufacturer standpoint that would be like the biggest waste of money ever and you know when they're trying to be profitable and they're successful at that there's no need you know there's no need for something like that (laughs) from them but for us you know we're a little you know mental and a lot of our customers are sort of mental as well and they're like yeah what's the problem i'll spend i'll spend you know uh 60 grand uh, us to to go from a 3.8 to a 4.1 and have you know 100 horsepower and you know 60 foot pounds more torque and probably be you know that much faster at the track yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know yeah it, it's it's <laughs> it's it's um no, nothing's ever perfect you can always improve it and yeah and, I I do sometimes wish we, you know, I don't know, not to knock a BMW or because it's the ultimate driving machine. I know, but um, <laughs> if you if we'd sort of started on a Camry, a Toyota Camry, yeah. maybe you know it would be in some ways easier to improve. Yeah, um, you can and be less like, expensive. We spent yeah. this amount and we got a four hundred percent improvement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, but you know the. The 4.1 was really hard to do and really expensive, and for a small place like us, and it took a lot of you know some some of it was guessing, some of it was planning, some of it was mathematics, you know, some of it was well, what if, what if, what if, and um, some of it didn't work out, you know, and some of it did, and then you know you sort of shape it over the course of two and a half years, and there's no you know limit on time. I mean, I would have been happy if we'd only ever accomplished one, which was you know that one. You know, and it wasn't anywhere near as easy as doing the three nine. The three nine was like a less ambitious project. You take steps and you know go further and further. So this was one of those ones where, you know, it very nearly didn't happen. And I don't think there are many places in the world that build, you know, four point one Gen twos and Gen ones. Um nine nine seven GT threes. I don't think they do. No. Um it's it's because it's not easy to it's very hard to do. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot more ways to get it wrong than right. That's for sure. Um, and you know, luckily and through perseverance and money and expertise from, you know, James and Dan and some, some of myself and some other friends we had, like I mentioned Todd, you know, with yeah. the tuning, um, and a bunch of other people, you know, that helped along the way, you know, it got done and, you know, I look at it as, you know, I was telling you, wasn't so much that look at us, we can do a 4.1. It's also all the things that we broke along the way and we know how to fix. And, um, now the best part is that, you know, like I said, we love those cars and I want to see those cars on the road for a long time and they're going to need help. You know, once, you know, they're not new anymore. They're, you know, they're yeah. antiques almost. I mean, <laughs> I look at them and, you know, before you know, there'll be like a 964, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is another thing we got into as well, um, you know, going back and doing those. And we took a lot of what we learned on, because it's a Metzger block and, you know, similar to the engine in those two cars, just, you know, no water and a few other less things. But, you know, you just, you, you know, like I said, trial and error, perseverance, <laughs> luck, a lot of luck, you need that, and a lot of, a lot of money. And, um, you know, 
not not for profit. <laughs> it's yeah. going to take some time to get profit. We'll have to build a lot of them. Does reliability or not so reliability, reliability and service intervals, I guess those are two questions, I guess, about doing engine upgrades like that, 3.9 or 4.1. Does that take a big hit or not too bad? No, that's a, that's, that's a really good, you know, that's a, I, that's a really good um, segue actually. So like I was telling you, we do everything on our car first. And mm. for the 3.9, that took about 18 months to develop, you know, from start to finish, meaning from when it ran to when it was finished, not when yeah. we thought about it. And there are plenty of local customers that, you know, seen the car, tried it, and they're like, oh, I want to do it, I want to do it. And actually the way we did that was we went from 3.6 to 3.8 and then 3.9. And we put, we put I think, about 20,000 hard miles on it first. And then, um, you know, we started building it. And, you know, once we, we knew by the time 20,000 was done and we'd taken it apart and everything, yeah, We're like this. This is going to work. This is going to be reliable. There's no problems. And you know, maybe we were arrogant about it, and that well, you know, there's no, there's never going to be any problems. And if there are, you know, we'll just take care of it. Um, and you know, like a, that's the reason for the four one. It took you know more like three years of development <laughs> before we started building them for anyone. You know, I think we were proven right because there's there's several people that have three nines. One in particular that has thirty. Oh, sorry. Uh, he had 30,000 miles on his GT3 36. Yeah. And then he put I think it was 95,000 miles on his 39 and it was still running fine. It was Fair. using a little bit more oil. Right? So nine, and <laughs> when I say 95,000, he's <laughs> he's on he's on Instagram with his snowboarder 54 and he used to be on Renlist. Um when I say hard miles, they're very hard miles. He drives uh, yeah. very hard, very fast, and you know through very windy roads. Yeah. Um, so that was on top of our torture test of our own, which you know I'm not going to imply. You know, we're not. It's not like Porsche where they have bazillions of dollars to go and you know test it in yeah. Iceland and you know no. But it did survive the torture test and. I mean, there are no known, you know, we don't have failures on those cars. We build them with confidence and, you know, we do all those fixes as well. And, you know, I think, I think, uh, anyone that's had it, um, you know, is still enjoying it. Um, you know, they've, we've, we've done this particular car at 95 when we took it apart. He's like, well, can we do a four one now? <laughs> so, so we did do that. And he's, I think he's got like, I think he's got maybe like 25,000 miles on this 4.1 now yeah. on top of it. And that transmission is still original as well. So That's <laughs> I think impressive. one day one yeah, one one day when we uh, rebuild that we'll probably regear it, make it, you know, shorter close ratio like mine. Yeah. No you made it shorter. Mm, yeah, I did. I did. I I I'm a cheater like that. <laughs> that's, that's not cheating. Well, yeah, well, it's like uh, fake torque, right? You know, you yeah. bring everything down, and um, so yeah, I think um, I think there were a few journalists um, that that drove my blue car, and it was like I noticed um, one particular test. There was a four O, you know, stock four O mm. um, that we've actually worked on and done all the fixes on, and then there was a three eight. Uh, RS like yours, and then there was the four one, and you know they would they were doing these you know rolling sort of drag races, you yeah. know if you you know what it be just to kind of 
you know, they knew it was faster, but they were like, let's, let's just see, you know, yeah. and the three, eight, unfortunately they were like, okay, fine, we're done. You know? Okay. Yeah. Obviously it's not, not gonna, you know, be a, we're not going to compare it. Then the, the four O it, it was still markedly different to the point where they're like, okay, how do we make this, uh, you know, more challenging? Okay. What we'll do is, um, and the four O has a shorter, um, final drive. Okay. So it's geared differently in that way. So in the 4.0, what they did is they went in second gear, rang it out, and in mine, they put it in third gear, you know, which it was stock at the time. Yeah. And it's still, you know, still mine just pulled away. <laughs> and they're like, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a really good, you know, hook and story in the story. So they put that in there. But I always thought, yeah, you know, I mean, I've driven so many 4.0s as well. And I was, it was something we went back and addressed because on the GT4, one of the you know, complaints that people have. And I think one journalist said it and then every single journalist said it. I mean, I always just, yeah, I wasn't as upset about the uh, long gears. I mean, it is a bit weird going 80 miles an hour or whatever in second gear. <laughs> it's a little weird, Yeah, <laughs> but um, you know, and I partnered with guard transmission to make, you know, these gears for us um, and a l- limited slip differential. You know, there's another thing we fix on the GT threes because that thing's weak. It's like a weak clutch. Mine's and it wears quite out. like, <laughs> yeah 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 which is fun having an open diff sometimes but it's not very safe <laughs> and when you add more power you definitely don't want that so yeah we you know i i like the feeling of you know closer ratio you know short gears i think it's just more you can go how do I, you can go quicker slower i know yeah faster, you feel like quicker. you're going faster <laughs> yeah. at slower yeah, speeds so because you're yeah. you're revving it more yeah yeah, um, it's like the, the 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 exciting part comes, you know, it brings the power or not the power, but the exciting part down to like, you know, from thirty to ninety, it's like super punchy yeah. and and you know, which is fun in the back roads. You know, th- this company was making gears for, you know, for gears for years, huh? Uh, for all the race cars and race teams for a long time and LSDs, so limited slip differentials. Yeah, as opposed to yeah. I don't know if they made those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's just another way to go faster, right? And another, probably making up for my lack of uh, driving skill. That's probably what it is. <laughs> got it, got it. No, it's definitely, I think with a GT4, I had a GT4 for a bit. Um, yeah. And driving it back to back with the GT3 just was, it just was not a good competitor. Um, no. And, but Sorry. The, a no. main, a big thing was, the gearing and I, and I think it is one of those things once someone said it yeah, you can't unhear it and you go like okay genuinely this car's nearly doing 90 in second so yeah. <laughs> if, if I've got a manual gearbox I would quite like to be changing gear every now and then yeah. and yeah. Yes. maybe be able to get to third that's probably nice and then you can blip down to second and off you go again whereas you don't necessarily want to go to first because that's a bit of a pain no actually, but what's, what's funny is is they they designed it with that auto blipper so that you did do that. Like I've never, ever in the history of Porsche driving, you know, like driven, I've owned many Porsches. I would never gear down, you know, like, yeah. heel, well, you can always heel toe. Sure. But I'm saying you would never like gear down from second to first to go into no. a turn. Right. But in a GT4, it's like they wanted you to do that. It's bizarre. So, yeah, yeah like, I I that I've, never feels good, right? The shift never. Oh. No, and it's really all very like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then first, it seems short enough. Like, it really is quite short. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know whether it's actually long or short, but in my experience of driving on like a, 
Alpine Road, for yeah, example, with exactly like hairpins it. and stuff. Um, with the 3.8, and I got ruined by, I went to Silverstone and drove a, this was before I even bought my car. I drove a, what did I drive? 997, Gen 1, Gen 2, 4 litre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back to back. And the 4 litre just had so much more torque and punch at the bottom. And that stuck mm-hmm. in my mind forever. Yeah. Fast forward a couple of years, driving around the Alps, get to a hairpin. First gear is too slow. Like you, you yeah. hit the top of you hit the top of first before you're out of the corner, and then you've got change. So that doesn't work. Yeah. Nope. Second gear is you're too low down, unless you really, really, really commit, which is yeah, which go is fast just, and go <laughs> yeah. really fast. Yeah. Then you're just about in the power band for when you come out, but it it's just in that in between bit yeah. that it just yeah. doesn't work, and you go okay, either a dollar more torque or possibly even lower, but normal driving. I've heard, it's it's funny. That was, um, you know, that was to me the most interesting of the new cars from the 991 era, and 981. But that mm. was the most interesting one because it, you know, you own the 3.8 RS. Um, there's bits of it that feel a bit familiar, you know, whereas if you drive yeah. a 991, nothing feels familiar compared to those two cars. Like, yeah. It doesn't feel like a continuation. And the GT4 had that feel in the front with the suspension um, braking and uh, steering. It was the electric steering was actually done really well in that car. I was impressed with it. Um, and you know, it won't leak like those might <laughs> <laughs> and do uh, not mine, but they, they do. They can they do. Yeah. So watch for that. Everyone with, with those cars, watch for that. That's, that's another hydraulic uh, steering fluid is um, highly flammable. You don't want that. Oh, so, nice. Yeah. Nice. So when you take, yeah. So when you take the engine out, inspect those lines and maybe replace them because they run all the okay. way from the front to the back. Um, nice. Yeah. 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 Well, well, as they get older, you know, we got to look, look for things, but yeah, look the GT4 things, yeah. was, was the one that um, interested me most out of that lineup. But when I got it and I, I picked it up, um, yeah, my buddy uh, Magnus went with me. We, we, you know, he sort of helped me order, uh, you know, said, no, spec this out. And he's like, do this, do this. I was like, all right, all right. And, um, you know, I picked it up and it was like, I know it's a GT car, but it just doesn't feel like one quite, you know, it's very civil. I don't know if it's civilized. It was very refined. It didn't have the edginess that I'm used to with, you know, multiple 996 GT3s, 997 GT3s and RSs and everything. And so, you know, it felt like the least, gt car that i'd ever owned yeah it's really great um and then I, I drove it straight home from la up up to the bay area which is like 300 miles and i was like yeah i'm not not really feeling it i'm trying to figure something out here i'm not feeling it and then um i got home and then i told my wife well uh it's gonna get modified starting tomorrow so if you want to drive it stock and try it out because <laughs> you won't want to drive it later then then uh you know go ahead we went down uh like a back road that you know, my little, you know, Nürburgring road where I live or lived then. And, um, I noticed, I sort of put my hand on the, you know, on the little, uh, door pocket and the, the handrail there. I was like, why am I grabbing that? And then I'm like, and she's talking as well. She's talking and driving really quick and she doesn't know it. (laughs) So I realized quickly, I was like, Hmm, okay. This, the chassis is really good. Like really good. Um, to the point where, you know, you, you're flying and you don't even feel it and know it. And so I was like, okay, well, the suspension is 
you know, brilliant, like really brilliant. Um, but it needs, you know, going back to the whole thing of, well, what would Porsche do if they released an RS? You know, so I was like, well, yeah. you know, people are complaining about the gears. I know, I know someone that, you know, makes gears and has done for many years. So we'll partner with them, you know, we'll get, you know, our stack or our ratio down to where we want, you know, lightweight flywheel to liven it up, um, you know, better aero, a bit more power with like, you know, a GT3 throttle body from a 997 plenum, you know, some filters and some exhaust work. And, you know, you have, you have about another 35, 36 horsepower, which That's doesn't sound a like a lot. Yeah. And better response and, and gearing fake torque, um, and acceleration from the flywheel. And it became like a much, much, you know, more edgy, you know, GT kind of aggressive car. car. Yeah. It was, it was aggressive and, you know, you could, you know, on top of the chassis, which that's that's the one car I never, that's the one Porsche I've, I did not change anything on the suspension. It's, as for a mid-engine platform, it's, you know, really dialed in well. And it's come a long way from like, you know, the Cayman S from 06 that I had that, you know, yeah, we did Bilsteins yeah. and H&R sway bars and different control arms. And then the Cayman R, same thing. So but for them, it was a natural progression, I think. They're not just going to, you know, like the 996 GT3, the Gen 1, there was no RS. And then the Gen 2, yeah. only in 05, they made like a few RSs for, you know, not for here. But but it's very, it's you know, there's one thing I couldn't get over with that car, and it was the engine, which um, even with a bit more power and, and uh, you know, responsiveness, like compared to those, it's just it's, it's just, not a motorsport engine <laughs> so, that's yeah. that's the really unfortunate thing as i think i drove my car and I, I didn't drive it very much and i really was driving it back to back with my gt3 and yeah. i appreciated all of the modernness and that sort of stuff and you can appreciate the handling and whatnot but every time i'd get back in the gt3 and then go go to the gt4 you just go Oh man, this is why the GT engines in the 911s like that's what you pay for. you're paying for, like that's worth the upgrade alone. It's just the engine difference and no exhaust, no nothing changes the way that engine works. Exactly. It's it's like a connection. Like everything about that car and those cars feels like home to me. You know, the 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 amount of pedal pressure, the amount, you know, um, the way the shifter feels um the gt4 did have a nice transmission feel to it i'll give mm. it that but you know um it a lot of mid-engine cars do you know like an nsx has a terrific feel well some don't i had a lotus evora s i love that car it was like a heritage yeah. edition it was like there were only four of them but i think there are probably only 10 evoras anyway so it's not <laughs> a big deal um, but it had like it had like the worst shifter cables and, and design and feel of a shifter that probably turned everybody off from that car. You know, it had these shifter cables that went, you know, from the front of the transmission or back of it, I guess the back of the car, yeah. you know, and all the way around the engine to the top and into the tunnel. And it was like, of course they're going to stretch and feel frayed yeah. and all this stuff. So anyways, yeah. So I was going to say most, you know, mid-engine cars, the layout means that the transmission's like right there and it feels good. But, um, so the GT4 did have a good feel there, but yeah, the, the transmission itself though, um, as, as we found out, um, you know, uh, there's a very known problem with third gear failure, you know, pretty much, I don't, I mean, has that been something that came up in your ownership? Did you know of people that had the third gear failure on that car? Have you heard no. about it? 
Uh, it's no, a big thing here. Yeah, it's a big thing here. There's a recall, and and Porsche would basically okay. replace your transmission if you have a GT4 981 or 718 because it's exactly the same. Although they think I think they've updated the third gear on that one. But look up third gear failure and probably you know grab a grab a stiff drink or something because <laughs> it's going to affect you at some point. Um, yeah. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, but, but they all, they did warranty them all here, so they did step up. I mean, you know, credit to them for that. But yeah, so... When we did that, we used solid gears and a different design, so that couldn't happen. So that mm. couldn't be a failure point. It's it's always you know we try to make it more edgy and more fun, but with more money and hopefully with you know hopefully with some you know thought we can we can actually future proof it or make it last longer. In the, in the GT4, did you change the final ratio or did you change all the gears? No, um, I don't like doing that. Um, I feel like that is one way to do it, and that's that's fine but I, I actually liked making them closer ratio all you know and stacked together like that that you know there was more control um and then i could have six gear be completely stock so that i'm yeah. not on the freeway at like 70 miles an hour going at 4500 yeah. rpm yeah exactly yeah. yeah that's that's not good i don't want that and and that wears things out more if you do that and so no what we did is um you know, there's a there's a different the second gear, the all important one is on the main shaft. And so we have two options. One is to just replace three, four, and five, and that's for track guys. And then the guys in the like you and I that drive on the street, it would be change the main shaft and second is on there, and then three, four, and five, and then keep six stock. There are a couple of occasions I think where we did change sixth, <laughs> you know, made that shorter. And that's yeah. for, you know, people doing whatever, 200 miles an hour at Daytona or some shit like that. So, <laughs> yeah. But generally keep that stock, yeah. So learning all all that and doing all that, it was like, how do I make the 4-1, you know, years later? How do I just, you know, tweak it a tiny bit and make it a bit more, you know, edgy? And so, yeah, it was, it was like, yeah. I know what the four O the four O always had, you know, basically a different final drive. So why not, why not change, yeah. you know, some of the gears that I want? So I have that car has a slightly taller first gear, but that's really cool because it has a crazy limited slip and extra torque. So it, you know, really catapults out. And then it has, you know, slightly shorter second and then shorter third and shorter fourth. So what's happened is is where I used to be doing three, two, which was in those cars, a little bit awkward. Yeah. I mean, I like it, but it's a bit awkward. I'm now three, four, you know, three, four, three, mm. mostly. Three, four, three is great. Yeah. Great yeah. movement. Three, four, three is easy, easy money every time. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so yeah. And with the torque as well from the, from the engine, it's like, yeah, I probably, you know, I wouldn't recommend doing 
changing the uh, gear ratios in a, in a 3.8 RS on its own. Um, I think I think it's actually done pretty well. And I noticed you're like, oh, why don't yeah. you change the gears on that? And you're probably right. I think the Gen 1 cars need it more because um, that's another difference that they have. They have a different you know, set of gears. Yeah, and That's partly why the 3.8 is quicker as well. But with a 4.1, it just sort of made... You know, made sense to give it a shot and do some math, which my gear guy did, you know, the spreadsheets and we sort of yeah. talked about it and we were like, okay, well, this mile per hour. And I was like, yeah, I think I'd like, to, I think I'd really like to drive mine at three, four, three all the time. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All of those builds, the 3.9 and the 4.1, they all start from a, a base Metzger engine. So could you take that, like any turbo, any GT3? Yeah, you yeah, you can technically, but for the turbo cars, um, we we've only I don't we don't build those engines that much anymore. Um, our f- friends that we knew in '05, you know, they took that mantle and they're doing yeah. you know 1500 horsepower. But when we do or when we did, we would do 3.8. We found that to be a sweet spot because you know you're not you're not doing. I mean, you are relying more on turbo and cylinder pressure and you know having a having a 4.1 or 4. Point something you know versus a 3.8 is going to create a myriad of you know more problems um, yeah. for a turbo car with like 800 900 can you build a turbo engine into a na engine yeah, or are they quite different no you could um it would be really you know i, I was sort of thinking about this once because people used to ask me that but Maybe, you know, 20 years from now, you know, um, people will take um, those because they're, they're more plentiful. Yeah. And the case is very similar. But, you know, things like the crank and the pistons and the heads are not. Um, but could you do that? Yeah, actually, um, somebody famously took a 997 GT3 engine and, and turboed that. Okay. <laughs> so they took about a bunch of parts of, yeah very strange but yeah um but yeah with machining and parts you could i suppose yeah you could, you could. yeah my you only could, thing uh, you could do it like lego so, you know like, <laughs> you like get lego, it just dump it out what's going to be cheaper a turbo engine is going to be cheaper than a gt3 engine probably yeah and is yeah. it is it possible but you can take any so you can take a 997 gen 1 normal gt3 and 4.1 that yeah we we weren't doing that at first um, because those cars have a really um, different, um, they have no um, stability management and they have traction control, but it's very old school and quite dangerous. Yeah. Um, and it's most of those cars have, you know, well, not most, but they have 305s in the back, so skinny attire. Um, and we just felt like at the time, 3.6 to 3.9 was like safe yeah. on those cars. And, um, but, now we've started doing those and we we finished um a cool um gen one uh, pumpkin orange rs for somebody in um seattle um and then we're going to build another gen one for someone in hong kong Ooh, i don't know how that's going to go a little bit of a dicey situation in hong kong at the moment mm. unfortunately so but yeah uh, if the car gets here we'll we'll do it and and that will be uh, hopefully bring some joy to somebody there. Yeah, I'm just pondering whether I can get hold of an early engine. They, they, I don't know how you get these, where these parts and bits come from, but and then just plonk it in. Yeah, you, yeah, you could, you could do that. Um, and we've we've built um, a few uh, three nines for nine nine six GT threes as well. I have not done a four one, 
And I think I'm putting my foot down and saying I'm never going to do a four one in that. <laughs> there was the, the you know the the second three point nine that we ever built for a nine nine six GT three. Um, it was like we 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 you know we built it, sent it off um, to to um, a guy in Canada. He lasted two laps. He went into a wall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with the three. Well, yeah, no. Well, I. <laughs> Yeah, the three nine again, skinnier tires. Uh, sorry, the nine nine six GT three, skinnier tires, no traction control, except um, the throttle body closes when you um, get airborne. As I found out, <laughs> that's not a nice feeling. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's technically traction control yeah. of some kind. Yeah, I had um, my my nine nine six GT three, the three nine one. It was a white one, and we did like blue wheels and a big RS wing. You know, kind of yeah. like the the RS in Europe, um, but. Um, it had a plate, you know, license plate. You know, everyone does personalized plates in California, um, but it just said no PSM on it. You know, and it was it was literally. I found that out like the week after I got that plate, and I was like, oh, I guess there is kind of traction control, sort of. <laughs> so, so yeah, because PSM is Porsche Stability Management yeah. for for everybody. It's that it's it's one of the buttons on your center console that you don't really want to push. Just leave it alone most of the time. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. half off, half off in, half in my off. car. Okay, half like, off. Well, in your car, yes. Yeah, you've got you've got SC and SC yeah. plus TC. Yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah, so I like the fact with those that generation of cars, it's not you don't have to press and hold stuff for ages. You don't have to press oh, OK no, and like it's no. just like off, off. Okay, <laughs> off, you're on your own. Away. Fine. Yeah, go away. <laughs> go away and spin. Um, yeah, and and. And I've, it's funny, I was saying, like, not to knock the turbos, because, you know, again, I, you know, they have a great place, and, you know, I, I've had cool bunches of them. I've had a 79, you know, Widowmaker 911 turbo, <laughs> which I must admit, when you, when I was at the time, it was like 05, I think, when I got it. Yeah. And, oh man, I got it for like 17 grand US, you know, which, <laughs> which is like, you know, one twenty, well, one tenth of what it's worth now, probably. Um, you never know. Yeah. Yeah. And I also sold it for about the same, like three years later. So good job there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was definitely working selling cars, buying and selling cars. Um, but, you know, I had one of those and I think, you know, it was, and I, I insisted on getting a 79 because that was the first year of the intercooler. And it was, you know, like a slightly bigger displacement motor. And I was like, oh, yeah, it'll be great. And I had it next to, you know, my 700 horsepower 996 turbo. And it was like, oh, this is a Widowmaker. Really? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. And, and <laughs> on like, like oh. new tires. <laughs> You're like, yeah, yeah no, I, I mean, I upgraded the shocks. I did a bunch of stuff. And then I upgraded the turbo and the intercooler and the exhaust. And then I was like, yeah, this is great to look at, but I'm. Yeah, the 930s are not not my favorite. But and then Magnus has a bunch of them. So I've driven I drove some of his. He has the earlier ones. And yeah. I remember being like stuck on the like the 5 freeway which is like, you know, that's not a place to go driving at the, you know, LA traffic is mm. not the place to go driving. So yeah, I was driving one of those and I was like, yeah, this is why I don't like turbos. You know, nothing 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 until 4 <laughs> grand and then it was a little bit <laughs> We did actually um we we built a GT2 together, um, you know. I got a sort of uh, Magnus was always influencing me from the moment I met him. You know, he's like, you know, look at these air cool cars; they're so wonderful. And I was like, yeah, they are, they are. And I'd had a few, but yeah, um, you know, it's, it's probably his fault that we we went into the nine six four world because at the time he was building one too, and mm. you know, we we you know, I know everybody builds a 
wannabe <laughs> singer 964 right and nobody can do anything close to what they do but um yeah no we 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 have like a a program that we you know have for 964s which is the car still looks like a 964 you know it's not changed like mm-hmm. that i mean other than lowered and maybe some wheels um, but has a 3.8 liter engine um, lightweight flywheel our own tuning and injectors and you know things like that and it's like a 350 horsepower and you know fun suspension and you know like a like a modern day rs you know that's more compliant yeah. so but yeah. is yours red yes with gold wheels okay. Yeah. Thanks, Magnus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's our stylist. But yeah. And I don't know if you've seen our GT2, the one with the orange bumpers and the yes, Union Jack yes. on. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was his, uh, that was his doing. And, um, but I was going to say the GT2 is another one where if you just drive that, one of those cars and you own one of those, you're like, eh, I don't get it. But if you live with it, you know, and you use it a lot it kind of grows on you and gets under your skin and and there's like that's that's a really amazing implementation of the turbo i would say for porsche like the the 997 gt2 is you you can drive it in a similar fashion to that car because it has the same suspensions a little bit heavier yeah it has a lot more torque and less revs but once you get settled with it and you just you know, you can drive it nice and smoothly. Um, you know, I, when I first got the car, I was like, Hey, let me turn this off. Let me turn this off. And, you know, with 800 horsepower that we put in it, you know, stomp on the gas and it's like going sideways on the freeway. (laughs) You're like, yeah, okay, this is stupid, but, um, it really does handle well. And then, you know, if you're pointed straight, you know, once you've dealt with the corners, you know, you can, you don't have to like, fully managed you know, do that you can just go you know like this yeah you can go ease into it and drive it smooth and it's it's still rewarding but it doesn't have the it doesn't it make your um hair stand up on the back of your neck with the sounds and the mechanical noises you know i've driven a 997 gen 2 gt3 once uh where was i it was in like bahrain or somewhere like that and um it was slightly dusty roads yeah, probably down about 100 horsepower with the heat. Yeah, yeah. It, it was kind of fun, but it didn't, it didn't feel in any way dangerous or loony or all the things that I've heard about turbo cars. I was like, this is like, it's not, it's got enough torque to, you know, break traction and whatnot, but it didn't feel scary in the slightest whatsoever. And like you said, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the top end fizz that you get with a no. GT3, and it, it doesn't get um, it doesn't get its credit because what it actually did for these cars. So because that car came out in 08, and it was the first car that had like what I would call proper PASM, mm-hmm. um, like the one in the Gen One GT3s and and in the S's, and they were just very bouncy and just not that compliant. But the GT2 had a next generation you know like pasm setup and um and it also had stability management and traction control so it's very similar to the 3.8 rs's in that sense and 3.8 gt3s i actually like them more than the gt2 rs that came out later you know um those were those were pretty tricky and violent to drive um they were you know quite responsive the suspension was really stiff and it was you know meant to I mean, meant to go fast, I guess, around the ring in, you know, some 
uh, amazing driver's hands. Yeah. You know? But like most of us would end up in the wall. <laughs> so <laughs> that one, yeah, that one. But the GT2, you're right, was was um, different than the 996 GT2. The 996 GT2 had um, no stability management of any kind, kind of like the 996 mm. GT3. And, um, you know, I, I definitely remember instances of following friends or driving with them and you know they had a 996 gt2 and they'd go around the same turn that i did you know at 40 miles an hour and suddenly they're like this you know fishtailed <laughs> that way <laughs> like ooh. so th- that one was a little sketchier especially with more power but the tires were worse then too so there's yeah. that that's you know going back to um you said oh would you would you build a you know 4.1 for like a gen 1 or a yeah. 996 part of the reason we never did build when we started a four one for the Gen ones was um, they were on Pilot Sport Cup tires, which are good tires, but they're not like the Cup two. You know, they're no, nowhere near as grippy. Yeah, and with the Cup two, safe. Um, yeah, safe. Yeah, I mean, the GT two had Cup ones on it and was really sketchy with eight hundred horsepower. <laughs> really sketchy <Yeah. laughs> with 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 uh, you know Cup twos. Was, you know, quite a bit less sketchy. I'd like to drive a GT2 or RS, but with with sort of like 800 horsepower or 700 or something, because I think that's probably the amount that, weirdly, that it starts to feel like, you know, this is a bit crazy and this is more crazy than a different experience to you get in the GT3. Yeah. Well, and that was a car too. That was a car where, you know, we went we didn't do it at the time we we'd worked on a bunch of them when they were new you know and all we did then was you know set them up for the track with some suspension changes and you know exhaust to make it sound better and you know tuning to make it go to 600 Mm. horsepower or something um but the factory did an rs and they did a lot of the things that you know made sense you know like lightweight flywheel you know different slightly different turbos and things that we did as well right and so we that's what we did to ours um but we made it so it would be you know reliable at that sweet spot without Mm. you know having to build an engine or make it so you know it's got check engine lights which you know everybody loves those um, yeah obviously (laughs) so yeah it's, it's everyone's favorite yeah no i think 700 750 is like a it makes it an exciting car um and you know like i left i left mine with uh the way that happened actually was um i got back from arizona and i stopped in at, at his place because it was pouring with rain so instead of going from arizona to northern california i stopped in la where it never rains and it was raining solid for like three days and we sat around and and he's like looking at the car looking at the car i think this was 2015 or something and um you know he's like oh are you gonna fly back and i was like yeah i don't have anywhere to park it he's like i got i got room and i was like okay and um <laughs> you know i was like okay well um yeah i don't think i'm gonna wait out this rain it seems like it's gonna rain for like days so i'll just fly back and leave it here and and then he's like he's like anything i should know i was like no just just drive it you know it's got a bunch more power than a normal one yeah no so he drove it he drove it and i kept getting texts it stayed with him for like three weeks until i could get back down there and um and he's like, yeah, I really like it. I really like it. And um, and then I was like, yeah, treat it like it's your own. And he's like, okay. And he's like, what does that mean? And I was like, treat it like it's your own. <laughs> he's like, what? Like put put different colored doors and and and, and cool design on it and stuff. I was like, yeah, let's let's do that. 
<laughs> he's like, yeah, that sounds fun. So, so he came up with, you know, putting, you know, Union Jacks on the wing and orange in the front and stripes down the, yeah. down the, yeah. down the middle. So it, it was cool. Cause it, you know, the car looked great as a white GT2 with 700 horsepower, but nobody really cared. It was pretty standard know, sort of. Look, yeah. yeah. And then, and then he did that and all of a sudden it broke the internet. Yeah. We, we had like a week long thing with, um, uh, Joe Rogan with uh, Jay Leno and and uh, some other folks and Matt Farah and whatnot and um, yeah it was a it was a fun ride but everyone everyone that drove that car um, Joe was like we'd built him a three point nine GT three RS yeah. and um, a Gen one um, and uh, he he spent you know some time in it and he's just like oh man no that that car is not for me there's no road here that i can use it on <laughs> but i think i think um like i said a gt2 you got to people that own them know it and they you know you, you need to spend like three weeks with it like every day and then yeah. you start to kind of get a feel for it you can't just go into a dealership or you know and say well, let me try this gt2 and i'm you're like eh, it doesn't do anything for me because it won't it really won't. Yeah, you need to get itself. used to it. I love the idea of having a, a Porsche, whether it's an old one or a new one, but with like serious kind of turbo lag, <laughs> slightly dangerous <laughs> yeah. levels of turbo lag. And then yeah. when it comes in, there's consequences just as like a fun thing. Now, obviously I have an F40 that is kind of loony like that, but the value is... Very, very it's crazy. too great yeah yeah don't yeah that's <laughs> probably not a good one to modify <laughs> to just turn up the boost on and be like yeah 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 just, just stick in one of those yeah stick in one of those uh turbo timers with a boost knob on it yeah and just yeah just crank it up <laughs> just to keep going until it sets yeah, on just fire keep going. until it until it smokes a bit then you can stop <laughs> um yeah yeah the, the, the i i experimented with that on um on the 996 turbo platform mm. the big lag is when you go single turbo yeah. And I had a bunch of friends that had, you know, like uh, Mark IV Supras. You know mm. what those are? You know, the, back in the, I guess, Fast and the Furious. Or something? Yeah. yeah. They'd have like one big massive turbo, you know, and it's like nothing, nothing, nothing until like 5,000 RPMs. And then, <laughs> yeah. I think some of them are so laggy that you needed to spray nitrous just to get them to spool. Oh, nice, nice. So, yeah, so yeah, that, I can see that being. Uh, yeah, the, the revs start and, to drop. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, and then the power band is like five thousand to like six. It's like whoop, yeah, done. Um, yeah, the, it's funny. You say that, and and you're you're right. It is fun, but in a dangerous way. But in a rear engine porsche lag is really a lot harder to manage i think because mm. on the one hand you've got the traction so when it does kick in yeah you know you've got the the rear engine and you know the rear tire and rear fat tire and it'll hook but it's a lot easier to correct lag and you know a mid-end well maybe not a mid a mid engine is always balanced but in a front engine rear wheel drive car yeah you know it's the dynamics are like uh, just let off the gas yeah. and whatever sort it out yeah exactly but in uh in in an 800 horsepower like even 996 turbo with all-wheel drive um and at the time you know going back to like 2006 you know we were definitely one of the things we were creating was lag not yeah. just before which you know as, as i said 
you know, making more power evolved as we got older and yeah. more knowledgeable. And you're like, yeah, 800 horsepower. And then you're like, well, what about below 5,000? Because there's really nothing there. Like, yeah. The, yeah. <laughs> so it was like that. You'd be, you know, you push the gas and it would be like, you know, here it comes. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then lights are flashing all over the dash, you know. Yeah. And, um, Things are coming at you a lot faster. But uh, lag is your, lag is a real enemy i think and that's that's what we did with the gt2 um even though we we um even though we um added you know like well we went from you know low 500s to high 700s um we actually kept the variable vane style turbo and did like a hybrid wheel inside so that um the lag would be reduced and it wasn't Mm. as simple as just a special turbo we had to do some things with the engine so um, we found that the intake manifold on a GT2, um, even though it's you know looks fancy and it looks better, it actually isn't, and it's it's flowed for specifically that amount of horsepower. And if you add more okay. horsepower to it, it just chokes. So we went to a 997. We would swap it with a 997 turbo manifold. Um, yeah. That was what we do with those builds. Um, and then you know a different throttle body, and then you know different. Um, there were like some hoses and things that were choked you know, that were feeding the turbos, you know, the factory ones. So we made some, um, and, you know, like I said, intercoolers and all these things to help with spool. So, um, you know, at the end of it, uh, like when you would get on the gas, um, I think we we measured it and I I could be wrong, but I think like it spooled up about a hundred RPMs, 150 RPMs sooner than, than actually stock. And that's because of, you know, the reduction in back pressure, even though we had big turbos. So, it made it better because then you had like, you know, a massive amount of power down low and peak torque was sooner. And then the trick was trying to not make it drop off like a cliff. So, yeah. Mm. And heat and managing all that. Yeah. yeah. And then you still ran out of RPM because <laughs> 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 it would be over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next gear, yeah. start again. Yeah, next gear. Yeah. Um, next gear. It was like this. It was like, next gear, brake traction. Okay, down again. <laughs> next gear, brake traction. Yeah. Yeah, oops, <laughs> correct a little bit. <laughs> why am I not going as fast as I want? <laughs> yeah, why am I still stationary and I'm in fourth? Yeah, exactly, exactly. One of the things I want to ask you is what the engines are like. So you're 3.9 and 4.1 and how the driving experience changes from those different engines, maybe starting with like, three, let's say my car, 3.8. I know 3.9 okay. was kind of was on, a, on an earlier engine to start with but yeah well i probably i probably change it a little bit to i'll start with a 36 and then go to a 38 yeah. but so a 36 has lighter pistons and it revs more freely than a 38 and how they yeah. countered that was they made the flywheel lighter in the 38 even on the dual mass non rs they made it lighter um so it's a the 36 is a very rev happy engine um and when we did a 39 what we wanted to do was basically you know get a little bit more torque with the displacement you know down low but keep that same character of the engine so you know the curve the curve looks kind of very same. similar up until it gets to about um six six grand where it's cammed differently and it starts to really fall off right yeah and ours instead of falling off it just flattens you know and it goes from like i think from 77 to 8800 where it's just it's basically flat it loses like five horsepower which 
that's kind of like a special deal with the three nine engine where it's like it just goes and pulls and pulls mm. and so that's why it works well on the track as well people like really like that and and when people have you know whatever freeway drag race yeah. whatever you want to call it against a four zero, it's like the three nine just pips ahead of it because it doesn't have that drop off just you know, at the so end like some cool yeah cool cam profiles and some other things and tricks and whatnot but um so that engine the three nine feels like a extension of that and a lot of journalists that are you know picky in a good way you know i mean i'm all yeah. for picky journalists i like they, they they've helped us tremendously over the years you know i've mm. never i mean it's it's really cool that they say nice things but it's also cool that you know we we show them stuff before it's ready and you know they they've always helped us too yeah it's just a, it's a continuation right so or extension of of what the three six is and so i think that's why the three nine works really well on those cars and it's it's like if you've put 50 60 thousand miles on it and or 100 and you need a rebuild you know you can rebuild it for almost the, the same a little bit more but have a okay. three nine and yeah. it will it will be returned to you like the way i describe it is if you've driven a 997 gt3 and that's what you've owned you've now got an rs like it'll okay. just feel more alive um and it'll you know pull more and 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 it'll you know, but it'll still feel like the same, you know, factory ass car. Just a better version For, of the same. Like, yeah, I mean, it's got more expensive more. parts. It's got yeah, bigger bore. You know, kind of more exciting cam um, and sound and lighter flywheel and all that kind of good stuff and tuning. The four one um, on a three eight is um, not quite like that. Um, it's I think uh, like there were a couple of covers where it was like gt2 torque with you know with in a gt3 motor yeah right so it hits you know it hits um hard i wouldn't i wouldn't describe it like i mean i think jay jay leno is like oh it feels like i can't do his voice but it feels <laughs> like you know in the video he's like ah, oh, he's driving it you know in la he's driving this one and he's like yeah it feels like my career gt engine but in a 911 you know because it's 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 very um lively and it's very um you know it's very it's got similar torque actually but you know i don't think it revs quite like that that's yeah. a, that's that's that engine cgt engine is like a different hemisphere for me it hits hard down low which you know you're not used to in a gt3 mm. you know like a gt3 you know you're a, you know a factory gt3 engine and a 996 997 you're not really going to give two hoots what it's doing at two or three or even no. four thousand everything is five and above yeah five up yeah but in it with with you know with the torque um that you get on a four one it's like you do get a little bit of that you know turbo sensation mm. you know i don't know if it's gt2 like but like the journalists say but it's it's More definitely torque. you know it's like it's punchy it's really punchy and um and then it kind of goes away into the gt3 land and it's still, you know, you still have a difference in torque there, but it's it's much quicker in terms of how it revs and responds. Um, and so, you know, and the noises um, are still all there, just amplified. And uh, a few tricks we have for both of these engines where we use a different oil pump and things like that that get rid of some of the graininess. There's a little bit of graininess to, like, especially... Um, I would say, especially like in the three eight engine, um, it's some of it's because it's you know a flywheel, and some of it's the oil pump and different things like that. But yeah. you know, it just smoothens it out. Um, so 
like if you if you you know really got down into the curve you'd see you know like the three eight would be a little bit you know like that and ours is just really linear um so you know and you would get from point a to point b (laughs) quite a bit quicker (laughs) definitely in any gear and uh and if you have a worn out lsd you'll be going nowhere very fast <laughs> they're going sideways um yeah so we, we always upgrade the lsd when we do that because it's, it's not it's not going to last or work yeah so the four one is like a, a torquey exotic engine still um but it does change the character a little bit of of what you're used to um and unlike the the uh the three nine engine which we rev past you know, like the stock red line was 84. We went to 88 yeah. on the, on the four ones. We still cap it at 86. That's a hundred RPM. There's no reason. Like I find a three, nine, I usually ring out a lot more a four, one. I'm going so bloody fast <laughs> off of that initial burst <laughs> yeah. that I'm, it's not as bad as in a turbo car where I'm like, Ooh, but yeah. it's like, I'm going really quickly. And I sometimes, yeah, I, I, I was like, I'm not, I don't need to go to 85, you know, like yeah. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'm doing triple digits, you know, which I know is another reason mean. why I brought the gears down. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. There are some yeah, cars yeah. where you sort of keep, you are know, like, oh, I just want to hear that final bit where the engine yeah. like, sort of hardens, but then you yes. sort of realize that you're almost looking at the dash and you look back up and you're like, okay, you know, it's oh, time shit. to slow down now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, why am I, yeah. Like, why am I over here in fifth? Oh man. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. I shouldn't be grabbing that right now. In fact, they should just lock those gears out. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> totally. License you know, saving some, locks. Yeah, exactly. Just have like an extra key you got to put in. Yeah, I know. Have you done some work on the 718 GT4? We've started to, um, and there isn't, it's not an easier path as the previous one. Um, we do have um, the gearing available and the LSD um, which I think are really important to those cars and a lightweight flywheel. Yeah. But um, with how with how the newer cars are being um, set up for emissions and and um, different equipment, it's it's going to be really hard to do those things in a in a way that a a is good for the environment and b that's going to sound good anyway. Yeah. Um, so I think. It's not that I'm saying, you know, the good days are over as far as for modifying cars, but um, they're becoming, I mean, Porsche is just making, you know, faster and faster cars to the point where, what the hell else can you do? Yeah. I mean, you know, 718 out of the box, you know, if you do the gearing, yeah, they'll, they'll never, they're like a turbo car in that because of this new equipment, they'll never sound that great. Like if you, yeah. if you want, if you want a GT4 and you want it to sound good, just get a 981 GT4. Yeah. That's going to sound good. But if you want to go fast and you want the newest and latest, then okay, get a seven eighteen. Um, but it's going to be harder to to do things. I mean, you know, everything's moving, you know, to towards electric. And I think, you know, these cars are they're going to be loved and kept on the road. I assume, you know, like sort of like a propeller plane and like the nine six four or like an old nine eleven. You know, Wheel out every night. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, for weekends and you know, and fun stuff on the track and you know. We'll be wearing fedoras and a pipe and, and soon. Talking about the drives we had in, you know, 2000 and whatever. Yeah. Back soon. when the Autobahn was de-restricted. 
yeah yeah exactly back when yeah exactly and and uh and what were they thinking with those center lock wheels and yeah oh exactly. man center lock <laughs> wheels like pain yeah, of my life <laughs> <laughs> yeah they are yeah i i don't really understand why they did that to be honest <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think if you ask a technical person, they'll say it's because it's lighter by not really a pound. Someone somewhere at a track day was like, yeah, but you can use a gun and take it off. And you're like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah. But- and you know what? A race car has air jacks too. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they just goes Whoop, like that. <laughs> there are so many horror stories of people doing the center locks wrong. Yes. So if there's, it's, if there's one thing, you know, make sure... I don't care. Well, I do care what people torque it down to. You know, you need like a huge wrench and you need yeah, someone to sit in the car with a foot in the brake. Yeah, right. That's really, really important. But the most important thing is that lock is, itself is engaged. Yeah, like push it and make sure it comes all the way out. And there's yeah. tools or whatever you need, a toothpick, whatever the hell, make it come out because that thing will fly off. So the people that are listening and not seeing the gestures we've just been doing, essentially we've just been poking. But if, if you have a center lock, car and you don't know or if you're not aware of the situation essentially when you take off the little cap there's a bit that sort of pushes in and comes back out like it's sort of sprung and ideally get someone to show you or whatever but you can either just put poke it and it will pop back out but it's not locked until it's come back out and i've been to a couple of places that have changed tires on cars and i've, I've only noticed it on mine but presumably every single other one and every 911 turbo that's got center locks and whatever that's done by these people before then first of all you need a torque wrench from a truck that's so i have one of those in my garage in case someone needs to borrow it and you go in and they they will do that you say okay i want it at 500 or 550 newton meters that's just what i say and then they do it and then and then yeah yeah Yeah. foot pounds i hope (laughs) and then you go (laughs) and then you take this off and have a look and check every single wheel because chances are the person that doing it if it's not porsche one you meant to grease them now as well but good point they won't check that it comes out and if it hasn't come out those wheels can just come off or loosen and then come off and they do do and they have and it's really really bad to try (laughs) driving one one three wheels so yeah, I haven't it, had that normally, experience, but I've seen it. I, I think wheels come off at a time when they're really critical. Yes. Like it's not when you're just pulling away from a traffic light in a straight line. It's going around a corner or slamming on the brakes or accelerating hard the around the corner. wheel turn that way, yeah. And then you're going to hit solid objects. Um, but yeah, there's something... Hopefully that when you don't have coolant there. on the back tires as well <laughs> <laughs> to make it... <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Yeah, no, that, you that's, might end that's up a with a situation: point. the coolant comes out, then your diff's done anyway, so you've just got <laughs> yes. one tire spinning, and then it <laughs> might just come off. <laughs> well, yeah, that would that be pretty. Yeah, but but maybe your pressure plate will explode from improper downshifting anyway. So, oh yeah, you know you'll be yeah. okay. <laughs> it just seize up, and the and the and the weight transfer will just go forwards anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all just going to explode. The first time yeah. I drove an RS which was on this day when I drove all the 997s, um, I had a really hard time changing from like second to third or third to second because I kept just hitting the gate and I'd not driven anything like that remotely before. And I, now I'm used to it. And I always, whenever someone gets in my car and uh, drive it or whatever, you're just like, okay, I just be aware that it's weird 
and I'm not going to judge you. It's odd, but I remember driving around the Porsche Experience Center and just like just like hitting this gate every time. I was like, why can I? And I'm just like, can't change into gear. It's really funny. I've told people too this. Um, if you just because you know two and three are there, you don't draw a straight line, <laughs> right? You don't. You don't just. There is no straight line there. There is. There is a dog leg or whatever you want to call yeah. it. <laughs> So just remember that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, let it go to the middle. Let it go. Release. And then, down. And then go forward or whatever. Yeah, or but, back, yeah. Forwards or back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. On four wheels, tightly locked. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, a few, there's a few tips, you know, for, you know, I found, um, you know, as I'm getting older um, and the second and third generation of people are buying, you know, these cars because they're mm. still so valuable. And people are like, oh, I, I want a car from that era. I had a poster of it, you know. And now I work at Facebook and, you know, yeah. I have a hundred car collection. So I want one of those. And they're like, oh, you know, the clutch is heavy or, you know, they're the lightweight flywheels, you know. And, and, but there's there's actually inbuilt um, features that people don't really know about. It doesn't say this in the manual. But, you know, like in those cars, if you're, if you're in traffic or, you know, you, you can actually – you can actually not touch the, the, the gas or the accelerator pedal um, and, and move forwards and backwards just easily. Just raise the clutch up, you know, and it will, you can put it in first or reverse and it'll move forwards or backwards. Mm. It's like a nice, nice, that's what people do in CGTs to keep their clutches lasting. So don't yeah, use the, so. the throttle. <laughs> no, no, not in that one. Definitely not. Um, yeah, no, no, I, 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 I think, I think uh, you know, yeah, part of the, the fun of it, though, it's like learning to play a difficult instrument, right? Yeah. I mean, it's got a lot of, you know, it's got a heavy pedal that some people would think, and it's got a notchy gearbox, and, you know, it it revs, like, really quickly, and it's just, it's a timing, you know, musical instrument that when you learn, and, you know, nobody ever really truly masters it, except, you know, you know certain, you know, race car drivers, but if you get seven out of ten, seven out of ten is good enough, right? Yeah. Um, if you get the perfect, you know, heel toe and, and downshift and it's all smooth and there's no movement back to, you know, back and forth and you're like, oh yeah, great. Whereas, you know, the newer cars are all, you know, way faster and easier to drive. And that's what I was getting at with the GT4. Yeah. Um, it's easier to drive something like that fast versus that. You know, that takes a long time to kind of get used to and master. And you probably don't want to lend that to just anyone, you know, because they'll... But a GT4 is really easy to drive, actually. Yeah, super easy. I really appreciate the differences between the generations. And, well, I have an SC that's been backdated and messed with and whatever. So that has the 915 gearbox, I think, which is, I mean, it's like driving a lorry or something. For the first six months, I was like, oh, can we just put a G50 gearbox in this? Everyone tells me that's much better, blah, 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 blah. And then then I started, the more I drove the car, the more I got used to it. And I started to appreciate the fact that it's a bit hard and like you really have to get it right. You have to learn it yes. and like it's all this sort of process. And then now there's no way I would change it because it's part of driving that car and I accept that it's old and whatever. Likewise, I think, 997 seems really like rs seems really quite raw now not versus like really old cars but it kind of feels pretty raw and i would quite like something that's either i would love a 9912 gt3 maybe or even a 992 just like carrera or something of the 
much more modern. modern. Like fast forward 15 years or 10 years or whatever it is and have that comfort and probably even have it as an auto and just be like, appreciate the different generations. That's the point. They've gone so, um, I agree. And you know, I had the first PDK car they had um, in 09, which was 08 here. Mm. Um, the, what did they call it? It was a Carrera S. It was a launch car and it was British, uh, sorry, it was Porsche Racing Green. And I was like, mm, that's a strange what color. color is that? had like old man brown <laughs> interior, but I was like, I'll take it. It's the first one in, in California. I'll have yeah. it and I'll develop on it. And, um, you know, it, it was, I knew that as soon as that happened, I was like, I see what they've done. You know, they've, they've taken the old Tiptronic and they've made it available to everybody. The Tiptronic yeah. is horrible by comparison and they've brought that up, but they've also expanded um expanded the ability for you know everybody to buy it and feel comfortable with it and i was kind of sad because i was like well you know we won't be the cool kids anymore or the to be weird kids anymore with, <laughs> with a 911 you know it'll be everyone now but you know they, they've got to sell more cars and you know and truthfully you know if you're if you're into going fast around a track and you care about times and you know pdk Paddles. is what yeah. is what people use i'm an older grumpier driver that likes you know the experience of it and the feel of it and sort of playing a musical instrument and going on beautiful canyon roads and i'm not going 10 tenths anyway um so you know i don't need i don't need a fraction of a second for a shift you know i'm, I'm quite happy to you know move half of my body to do it you know because in a pdk car i just I'm just bored you know doing the driving i do and there'll probably be lots of people, well, there are, there are lots of people that will never have a manual gearbox because, you know, they'll look at it and go, why would I do that? It's like slow, stupid, cumbersome. And I get it. I totally That's get it. Do. Yeah. Like there's a space for all of these. And I love that Porsche, Porsche are still making manual gearboxes. They're still too, making yeah. these things out there. They took it away and then they brought it back again. Yeah. Very, uh, <laughs> yeah cunning plan. That. I, <laughs> cunning I don't plan, like, yeah. like you said, how the gt3s for example it used to be this sort of hidden thing not yes hidden, not massively, but like yeah, no one really would buy the gt3 because like why would you buy a gt3 and now every damn person wants a bloody gt3 and you can't buy them <laughs> yes it has it's really yeah for the purist in that way it got kind of uh different but you know that it's from, fine from that standpoint we can go play with the older ones or whatever you know um i mean of the of the newer cars, you know, the problem with the PDK is going to be that the level of performance is going to change so much once it's all down to computers now. That um, you know, I, like uh, you, you know, you you said you know with your F40, but I mean, I remember going back to um, the early 2000s and driving a bunch of the Ferraris that went from manual mm. to to flappy paddles, as I recalled. You know, like for example, like um, have you ever driven a Stradale? No. 360 Modena Stradale. Okay, drive that. And at the time in whatever 2004, you're like, oh wow, you know, this is this is great. But you know, it feels terrible compared to like yes. a, I don't know, a, what, anything what the, F8. But it it, it feels Formaggio terrible. Formaggio edition or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one, that one. Um, but yeah, you know, it shifts like, like, yeah, you know, compared to this one, that's like the the Stradale. You know, so I think I think it starts to feel and look older and if especially if you're not using half your body i mean with pdk you know like what do you do with your left foot and your right yeah. arm really okay i guess you could 
do that, but or <laughs> that or whatever it is. Yeah, but yeah. on just, the McLaren, it feels disconnected. You don't even need to use both hands because on one paddle you can go up or down. You're like, down, oh. yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and ask a bunch of fast guys at the track, you know, with their point two GT three um, RSs. I mean, a lot of the time you're not even using the paddles. Like you're just when you're using the paddles, you're screwing up the programming yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) so it's like you're i don't know yeah they're so intelligent they're so intelligent and they're so fast um and it's yeah it's you know i I know it's evolution and stuff but still it's an interesting one that one because i think as soon as a bit like electric once everything's gone electric i don't think we're going to have vintage electric i don't see that ever being a thing because it's just going to be empirically worse and I don't think that's better. And I think those sorts of gearbox, double clutch gearbox, occasionally a, a single clutch is a different experience and you sort of have to learn it and whatever. But when it's a double clutch, you just have the latest greatest is the best one. And why would you drive the older one? There's just no exactly. reason why you would do that. No, it's slower doing the same thing. I've bought many 911s and Porsches that I've had the intention, you know, since 2000 till you know, now that are like, oh, this will be my daily driver. This will be yeah. my daily driver. And as traffic has gotten worse, and as <laughs> at least where we are in California and um, in the Bay Area, you know, where a drive that was 20 minutes, you know, now takes, you know, 15 years later, takes an hour and a half, you know, wow, doing the yeah. same 20 mile drive. And it's not a fun drive. So, you know, electric cars in those instances are way Perfect. better. I mean, it's quieter, it's seamless, you know, and, um, you know, and good luck to them with the take in. It's just the future for that that sort of transport. And absolutely, my daily in 10 years' time will be some sort of automatic, electric, blah, 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 whatever. And even if I'm buying, I'm, I'm possibly looking at buying another car at the moment to be a sort of like a nice daily-ish type car. And that, if it was a Porsche, I need to stop myself buying another Porsche, otherwise I've got too many Porsches. But it would be PDK. <laughs> absolutely be pdk and if it's someone else it's either whatever their version of the same system is because around town like just there's just no like it's not that fun and it gets beyond that like i had like i was telling you that 09 pdk Mm. when traffic was getting bad i was like i I get it you know this is a good daily driver and it's a good place to be but then you know you sort of need something beyond that like a tesla with you know um you know the uh the cruise the automatic cruise control yeah so that you're That's stopping so starting stopping starting stopping starting and it does it for you and then you can you know have your meeting yeah. <laughs> at the same time not drive and then just be self-driving exactly i used to always want my porsches to be you know i could take it anywhere be a swiss army yeah. knife i could go to the track i could go to this but traffic has gotten so much worse and you know the electric cars have gotten so good that you know if you're just doing a commuting transport situation Mm. then why waste why burn so much gas and make so much smell and noise when you're only going five to ten miles an hour anyway i mean you're not doing anything with it such a waste and burning your clutch and like all the stuff and as much as i love the idea and i've never quite agreed with this one of a couple of my friends one particular is like i would like to have a race car on the road and like i'm like no i've driven race cars and they don't belong on the road but (laughs) i used to be back when i was like oh i love really really loud cars and i do like it a little bit um you'd be like i want to drive a really hardcore car every single day 
And I just, the reality of that is rubbish. Like it's just, there's a reason people don't do it. Do you want to commute like down Park Lane every morning in a, in an F40? No. LM? No. No. No, <laughs> no exactly. Like I took, I took my GT3 out today. Um, I, got to, I had to go to the post office to do some stuff. So yep. it's like a 15 minute drive just through London. And it's cold at the moment. So I don't know, six degrees C or something like that. And there gearbox hadn't warmed up by the time i yeah. got to the post office at which point changing into second is like a bit not like a bit horrible and you're like this is bad for the car i'm not really enjoying this that much because it's i can't really change gear that much and you're like oh man but this is gonna have to be it's gonna be weekends and track days and whatever that's well that's what i was gonna ask you because you know i didn't really i mean i didn't own porsches i left london in 98 you know so i i didn't have a car then mm. i was you know i was yeah. finishing being a student uh, at the lse but so i don't know the scene there well but um where i've lived whether it's been la or the bay area in california you know i yeah the traffic's terrible but i can drive 15 20 minutes and then i'm at a canyon road but i don't know what's the scene like in london for you know can you just drive it's, somewhere and get an escape or what it's or it takes quite far? a long time it takes quite a long time it's quite annoying um i've been recently during this sort of lockdown period and whatever yeah um i've had a couple of people lending me cars so and i've been doing a video and then some stuff for the mm-hmm. podcast and things like that and I've, i'm trying to work out what's the shortest time distance i can drive to get to <laughs> a decent bunch of roads and the answer is about 50 minutes like an hour okay. really okay. and even then it's Oof. like it's okay and yeah l- like southeast where london is it's so population dense that the big good bits of road you get are only five minutes in between two towns or villages or whatever it's not you don't get just let loose for an hour you know that's why you see why you know someone like you know company like tesla and the electric cars are so put most people in that situation they're going to want yeah. a car like that you know yeah I, I mean by the time you sure by the time you get you know get to your destination and can open it up but yeah i i mean london in the 80s and 90s i don't remember being um you know traffic free either yeah <laughs> so <laughs> well i normally wrap these up with five questions all right do you have Shoot a most that. memorable driving trip or journey Oof had a lot actually um i've got to experience a lot of you know weird fun different people in it but um as far as uh exhilarating probably um we filmed a tv show for um you know like um, here it's the speed channel Mm. Um, i think it might be i don't know what it is in the uk but we filmed a tv show with our 3.9 green gt3 rs um and they closed down this was, I think, in 2009 or 2010. They closed down a top-secret Air Force base with uh, U-2 spy planes. You know, those you know big black... Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, those big, with the huge wings, you know, and they barely take off and they're like, you know, fly at whatever, allegedly 100,000 yeah. feet, and take pictures and, yeah. Um, and, uh, and then those Global Hawk, you know, drones. Um, okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, that might might have um, not helped the case at the time to find, um, you know, terrorists or whatever they were trying <laughs> to do. But anyways, we shut this down so we could film a TV show. 
um, where we we had um, you know a famous um, IndyCar driver Paul Tracy, and then Tanner Faust, who's like a famous drifter car yep. guy, Porsche ambassador or whatever. And um, he was driving my car, and then Paul Tracy was driving a, um, a Ferrari modified. You know, and there was like a shootout thing over the mm. course of three days and events. A little bit cheesy, but whatever. But the cool thing was is that the winner um, got to help um, for like an afternoon of like um, using using their car to like help a U2 spy plane land. It's kind of oh, weird. Cool. So I got this footage. I got, I got footage of, you know, my car with a race exhaust on it, you know, with bright green, you yeah. know, like landing, you know, on TV oh, landing, you know, these U2 planes and stuff. That's so it was, cool. pretty, yeah, it was pretty weird. And it's like, you know, the, 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 the guy in the, in the car with you is like, okay, don't get too close. No, really. Cause you know, how much do you like the green paint? I'm like, I like it a lot because well, it really will blow the paint off oh, it. Right. We've done this with our, with our, you know, usually they use like V8, you know, GM cars for it yeah. right, that they get given because they're, you know, part of the, yeah. So that, that was, that was, that was a pretty strange thing to do and definitely like, why are we here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, That's and, pretty cool. You know, and then, you know, in that blue car, um, going for a drive uh, with Jay Leno, you know, um, mm, and it's quite surreal. Him. Yeah, it was weird, you know, bright blue car with a huge wing and orange wheels in the middle of the day in LA, you know, and everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and then just, you know, someone with spending spending a few days there with, with him and, you know, seeing like the best car collection I've ever seen in my life, you know, I don't yeah. even need to go to a museum anymore, you know, I'm done, done there. And um, having someone that's driven so many different cars and you know got such a wide you know range of thoughts and experiences you know to to drive it and drive it quickly and then sort of go you know what he liked and how he liked it and why we did it and take an interest and i was like wow this is you know this is pretty cool. cool um definitely yeah so that that was probably a, that was a memorable one that was a memorable one yeah that is pretty cool right next question five car garage unlimited value um Carrera GT I'd have a 38 RS or 40 RS like that you know mm-hmm. um I'd have a 964 probably a uh I'd probably have an RS cuz I'm a you know I'd, I'd want it to be an RS and I'd still <laughs> modify way, it anyway yeah. yeah um so what's that we're at three. to 3 probably have a F40 actually nice yeah yeah, no, yeah. I probably would. Yeah, I probably, I probably would. Just, just cause, just cause. Yeah, I could put a Porsche badge on it. You, you could. <laughs> I, <guess. You> could. <laughs> I don't care. But yeah, um, if it was only five, and that there's only five vehicles, I'd have to have like a badass electric car that I could go anywhere. So mm. whatever the new, uh, the new Roadster Tesla thing, I guess whatever oh, yeah. that is, probably yeah. have one of those. I think that's a good good bunch. If you can only drive one car for the rest of your life and you're allowed like a 500-pound banger, so you 4.1 G3 RS tick. Yeah, it's just, I've done so many, I've had so many weird experiences with it and, and it's just like the, the sound and the feel of that instrument is just, you know, puts a smile. So yeah, that one. It does, you know, you own one, right? And it doesn't even, it doesn't have to be a 4-1. That's mm. what I was guess I was saying. I mean, it's special to me because of that. But for pure driving, like a GT3 RS 997.1 or 0.2, there's just nothing else that plays like that music, you know, and doesn't 
connect the same way. There isn't another car from that era. There, I don't think there's one before, and there certainly isn't one after. And the only thing I wish I would change about my RS, uh, okay, there's a few things. I would, I would change, upgrade the speakers because there's times <laughs> when I'm like oh, shit. fully maxed going down the motorway and I can't hear shit. But I, I drove a four litre and I was like, oh, I would quite like that torque. That's that's, and I guess it's the gearing as well. That's probably part of it. Mm-hmm. But the gearing that, is a sneaky one. That is a sneaky one. Um, and then that's it. And then I'd be like set for life. But I sort of lucked out when I bought that car. Of it just so happened to be that was the car I really wanted at the time, and that's what I bought, and that's what I could afford. But I've not driven a, any car since that I get out of it and go, you know what? I would swap this car. You might go, oh, I would, I would have that as well, or whatever. It's just such an amazing starting point for comparing to any other car. And other cars will do more modern cars, more modern GT3s, or whatever will do stuff better, like faster and more capable and whatever. But that package and the way the steering and everything works, and just the the way, like you said, you can play the engine. Lots of other cars make great engines, but they don't have the change in sounds and feel when you put the throttle down it's just like a noise that gets louder or it's it's quite unique in that aspect right most undervalued car at the moment what do you think is the most undervalued car at the moment one of the best cars i've i've had that got no respect um but was really good for the time was um like a 2011 avora s Mm, i thought the suspension was yeah i thought the suspension was magical it was the most poised thing ever you know it was just a set of Bilsteins with Lotus chassis. Um, it made some tremendous sounds with a little bit of modification. Mm. Um, it had an absolutely terrible gearbox, just the worst I've ever, that let it down and probably why nobody wanted to buy them. But once you fixed that, it was good. So I thought that was a really crazy car for the time. And actually, dare I say it, you know, I had it at the same time still as um, my GT4. You know, I... I, it made me smile more than the GT4. It felt more, yes. you know, like, I don't know. It just felt more visceral. Um, so that's, a, I think that's the most undervalued. And then probably that one back there, 996 GT3 in the Porsche world. Yeah. Like, I, 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 love the, I love hearing, oh, I just hate the lights. I just <laughs> hate the lights. I just can't deal with the lights. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, don't, don't deal with the lights then. Fine. <laughs> <They're> really important. <laughs> Really important when driving. They are very important for nighttime driving. So yes, you want to have xenon, LED, whatever. Yeah. But beyond that, um, I've I must say when I'm sitting behind the wheel and driving those cars, um, I the lights are the last thing I think about. So <laughs> yeah, and it's a yeah. it's the cheapest way into that group of cars now. And, and, it I, and is, it, it's really strange because like Porsches have gone up in value tremendously. You know, like all the older ones. Yeah, and that one. I don't know if it ever will, you know. I think it will. I think it'll get dragged so up. Them. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. But there's so few of them, right? Yeah, there's You'd not a lot. So. Right, last question. What is the most interesting car to you at the moment? I want to at some point go back and really focus on the 996 GT3s again. Like mm. we, we, um, this is after we've been, we've sort of um, gone where we're going to go with the 964s. Yeah. Um, and I think we got it to a level where it's just, you know, it's like a, it's closer to, it's related to that, you know, it's somewhere 
it's somewhere related to that and the 996 GT3. So we've got it to that level. Um, But I want to probably go back on the 996 GT3 and and see what kind of a scary... I'm waiting for someone to say, I want to do a 4-1 on one again. Because there (laughs) there were people before that wanted to do it. And I think, you know, it would be kind of fun to take one with, you know, like 120,000 miles on it or whatever that needs an engine refresh. And instead of doing the 3-9, just going with a 4-1... And, you know, I'd probably just keep the stock wheels, keep everything. I'd have to put cup twos on it, obviously. Yeah. But, and just and just see how mental that thing would be, you know. Um, probably have to do that. You know what we'll have to do with the, we'll have to do like the, uh, you know, turning the tack this way too. Yes. Like in the air-cooled cars. <laughs> I'd love to do that too. I want to do that. That's, that's the only thing I want to do with it. Just do that. Yeah, just- <laughs> Someone gets in and like, what's just going turn, on yeah, just turn, yeah. yeah, We couldn't make one, so we had to turn this one. Thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. It's been it's, it's been, been really fun. Good. It's been yeah, it's been fun talking to someone back from home with a blue, you know, blue G three point eight. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There's not many of us. No, so. we're a rare breed. <laughs> People are probably like, why do they like that car so much? Well, yeah, <laughs> check out some videos and and whatnot, you know, and and, and see, and try and try and uh, try and drive them. I say because because they'll, they'll, they'll be gone soon. Yeah, with the with the Sharkworks bypass on on my car, so a bypass system. Loads of people make a bypass system. I've had other people I know have done different start exhaust systems on their car. Uh, a couple of people have done full Akrapovich or however you say it, um, and they. I would say my car with a bypass is as loud or louder and sounds better to me than a full Akrapovich system, and I don't. They're like, yeah, but it's it's a full system. It's going to be boring. Like, okay, but just put them next to each other, and I guarantee yeah. you, mine's either louder or the same. So I don't know why you're messing around changing half the stuff on the car. You do lose a well, bit of weight. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's funny. Like we we only make exhaust for the cars that we own. Yeah, like I won't make an exhaust for anything that I don't own, and that's not. I mean, a Krapovich probably not that profitable. Really nice stuff. In, in, yeah, a Krapovich. A Kra- sorry, oh, cool. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, it's the American in me, not a, a Krapovich. I don't okay. know how you say it. A Krapovich. Yeah, I don't know how you yeah. say it. But they make fantastic, you know, looking stuff, and you know, it's high quality. Um, and I've installed it before and handled it before. Great stuff. But I would just say that, yeah, like on the cars that we focus on, that's all we do. And, you know, we probably did, I don't even remember how many different designs and because there's, there's so many different ways to do a bypass and remove that third muffler and everyone's, you know, sort of taken what we've done and changed it or just copied it. Yeah. And Akropovich actually, after many years, sells a part that looks a lot like ours okay. now finally <laughs> so because it, it does yeah i mean there's a reason why i mean if, if we need to make something more complicated we will you know there's a reason why we keep the diameter the same and and, and um as the stock you know we don't try and induce more drone you yeah know, with bigger pipes and things and yeah no i mean we've done we've done we've done you know it's been fun actually that's what's one of the fun parts of the job is you know sending out something that's relatively compact and simple and you know i mean there are people in colombia chile you know jamaica you know you know obviously london and you know in russia in china in hong kong you know that have it and it's been it's been kind of fun to you know you know get video clips of someone acting like a hooligan or just yeah. on the track or just revving or starting it up you know in all parts of the world so yeah it's, yeah. it's cool it's, yeah. it's very yeah, cool it's fun it's cool. fun it's fun all right man thanks very much
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.